Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. We're in it. We're, we're in it and on it. We're in the main frame. <laughs> we're in the main frame. Welcome. Welcome to the main frame. Uh, that's it. What's a main frame anyway? Um, I, okay, well, I don't like that you're quizzing me on things. That, like, <laughs> I probably don't know the answer to. But I, at my last job at ISS, whenever you had to log in, my boss, every time she logged in, I guess she felt like she was like in a spy movie and uh-huh. like she was hacking in because she would just literally type in her own username and password to get into the system. And she'd go, we're in the mainframe. That's <laughs> that something was how- I would do and everyone would be like, stop doing was, that. She was a fun boss. Every morning, that. every morning I knew that's how I was going to get a, I was going to hear it at least once when she logged on and she'd go, I'm in the mainframe. We're in the mainframe. I love that. Uh, just, you know, yeah. spice up, spice up your work day, but uh, yeah, I am. Hi uh do you want to hear why i drink Mm-hmm. okay well, first of all Always. there's there's a new marvel movie coming out tonight shang chi and i'm very excited about it um very exciting second of all um i was on i missed an early part of our phone call earlier we had a phone call with our manager and i was late to it because of this very stupid crisis that was going on in my apartment complex which was uh our neighbor's dog got loose in the building <laughs> and it was a bunch of people trying to chase one dog. And oh, for God's sake. This dog, by the way, so his name is Scooby. And... Oh, I thought it was Geo. That would have fit. <laughs> no, but Scooby and Geo, I think, would actually hate each other because they're so alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, too many but... Scorpios in one room. I got you. Too many fireballs. He he really just runs as fast as Geo and as is as sneaky as Geo and Geo <laughs> wants to be. Good. That's not good. And he is, I hope they don't listen, but um, his training doesn't seem to be top notch. Um, (laughs) But he's a very, he's my favorite dog in the whole apartment complex. He's very sweet. Every time he sees me, he goes freaking ballistic. But, uh, but he apparently got loose and he just fucking bolted. And so things to do, my friends. Yeah. And so uh, that was why I was late to our phone calls. But anyway, I got to I got to track down a puppy dog today. Well, so. it was funny because you hopped on the call and you were like, sorry, I was dealing with a personal crisis. And like, <laughs> I knew better. So I was just like, I'm not even going to say anything because I was like, I was trying to make people. it sound I will. I don't even know what I was trying to make it sound. I think I just said like, oh, sorry, there was a crisis over here. And 
it sounded a lot worse than it and than I meant it to come off. So I just like didn't say anything because I know M and I was like, oh, probably a dog got loose or something. And then for Eva and our manager were like, what happened? Are you okay? It's <laughs> like, yeah, Eva, Em, Eva knew better. Eva, Eva, Eva knew, knew better. better too, but. It, it was our it was our manager who was like, what kind of crisis are you all right? And I was like, That's are you a all very, right? It's a very dumb crisis. Please let's please let's move forward. <laughs> I almost was like, can you tell us a little more, Em? I wanted to put you on the spot. That was mean, but um. I'm glad I got to hear I, the story. I'm so glad you didn't, but I, I would have answered anyway. <laughs> anyway, well, that's we, why I drink, because I got to interact with the puppy dog. So I that. love that, though, for you, especially right before, like in the morning, first thing in the morning. I mean, that's kind of a nice little uplifting way to start the day. It's also why I drink in a bad way, because I was forced to exercise for yeah, the sake true. of being a good person. So Get your heart rate up a little too early in the day. I, I get you. Didn't like the, the Scooby good. cardio. Um, <laughs> no. Why do you drink? Which I already know why you drink. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I also, is... by the way, drink for why this you too. Drink? I was like, I thought that's where you were going. But um, yeah, well, so we hop on off the call. Then we sit down to record. And I'm just like, I just make like a face. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I don't want Chris, it to sound like as dramatic as it sounds. It's it's pretty fucking dramatic to me. <laughs> it's considering I am the only person that has to deal with you currently. <laughs> Basically, Christine showed on and she looked fucked up. Like her face was like 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 winced to no end. And I was like, you good? And what what's going on Christine? oh i just was like oh sorry i'm having a contraction and was like what i, I went what what what, what? And i was like don't worry and i was like well are they braxton hicks and i was like i think so and i was like you think so and i was like well here's the thing i've been having them for a few days now and like i timed them just to like see you know just to make sure and they're happening like every five to seven minutes for like hours on end and Which, so, like, lest we forget the, <laughs> the office episode, we're five to seven minutes, five to seven minutes, five to seven minutes, we yeah, go like, to the hospital. Like, literally. And so I'm timing them, and I'm like, this is almost comical, because I don't look at the timer, I just hit it, when, it, and it's like, every single time, like five to seven minutes. And so yesterday, I had a scheduled doctor's appointment, so I went in, they checked me, they're like, you're not going to labor, don't worry, but it's also not normal that you're having this many contractions. And I was like, well, fuck me. So then they said, time them today. So I was like, oh, Emma, just so you know, like while we're recording, I'm just going to like time them every few minutes. Just don't mind me if I like pick my phone up briefly. Don't mind me. A baby might be here by the end of the episode, but like, you know, like it's all you today. You, I, you carry the show. We still have a few weeks left, so I think I'm fine. I really don't think it's anything. And they're more uncomfortable. Like they're not painful. They're just like really uncomfortable. I try to describe it as like a Charlie horse in my stomach, sort of. Um, I Chris uh, should be in case anyone is brand new here. Christine literally has a chronic illness and has a severe <laughs> high tolerance for in pain. In my tummy, that's the problem. So it's like I don't have a good grasp. In the spot you're feeling pain, you have like a wild tolerance for pain. <laughs> Just and like so used to it hurting. So yeah, when you're like when you're when you do this and you go like mm, and you make a weird face and you're like that was uncomfortable. I have a hunch <laughs> if I were you, this is what I would look like. <laughs> it's definitely freaky yeah it just feels it's not great i mean it's not great it's not fun so yeah i so i I don't think it's anything but like and then poor eva was like wait i was gonna hop off to edit now like what if you go into labor on camera and i was like well don't worry we'll record it for posterity's sake i don't know Um, how this is true but you if your water broke on this show, it would really be a true full circle from the first episode when we knew nothing about each other. Well, 
Can you imagine you are the only one in the world to live witness me? Like, yeah, my yeah. water break. I can't imagine years. it because it's <gasps> just wow. so possible. Any five to seven minutes, that could be what happens to wow. me. Wow. Okay. Well, actually, you know, this is a perfect segue, Sagu, because we never talked about this, which is that we found out the Mothman Festival is freaking canceled this year and we have mm-hmm. big, big plans. I had big plans to big plans get Christine's water broken. It's pretty I'd... tragic. Like, yeah. I thought that would be the last hurrah. And that, like, Emma and I would have a little scrapbook for... The little baby you know, would, like, flap their Mothman wings right yes, out of you. Yeah. Glowing red eyes. I mean, I thought it was going to be just perfect, and it's canceled. So we, because of COVID, which, you know, obviously understandable, but, like, it's just really kind of tragic, so... The last time I saw you in person, you weren't even pregnant. Like, let's put I it that know, way. I know, Em. That's so freaky. So, I mean, Who if you still would have thought... Come- you can still come visit if you want. You're, you're more than welcome. I'm um, very terrified that the second I show up, all of a sudden you're gonna be like, "Hey, this is really inconvenient." Like the baby's no either either the baby's about to show up or like this is my last week on earth to sleep, and you are no, but wasting I, my time. If the baby showed up while you were here, that'd be great. You could watch Gia for me. So like, I'd be oh, thrilled. Okay, you know what I mean. Okay, so wait a minute. I don't see you feel upside. like you're an inconvenience. You're not because you will actually be a big help to me. It's um, also very useful that you live in a castle now and I could just <laughs> be in a completely different room if I'm in your way. <laughs> in a haunted so. ass fucking creepy <laughs> building. Yeah. Ugh. You could just uh, enjoy yourself in the other room. So anyway, but it's all kind of a bummer and all to say that um, if I do glance to my phone briefly, it's just because I'm hitting like start, stop. You know. Or texting your doctor, being like, or, or what do I do? <laughs> no. All of a sudden, there'll be paramedics in the room while I'm telling my story. And I'll be like, wow, it wasn't that bad, guys. Okay. And pulling, like, Chris, and pulling at Christine, I'll be like, hold on. Um, I'm almost done. Let me just like hear the end of this because I don't want to inconvenience our listeners or you. Um, but I will. I also mentioned earlier that like before, like last night, because Blaze switched to a new job, long story, but last night he said wow this is my first weekend off since june and i was like well you just fucked us because now mm-hmm. now the universe is like oh really yeah and i feel like this is just bad timing your um, your free weekend's about to be your busiest weekend <laughs> the, the start <laughs> of, of never of a free weekend again yeah um so <laughs> anyway like, that's all oof well that's why i drink <laughs> good luck to you good luck to me everyone hey, is like is- well, the good news is... I was going to sit in that silence and see how long it took one of us to talk. <laughs> to say a good news. The good what? news is, if the baby does come this weekend, I can uh-huh. have a glass of wine in a few days and I'll be thrilled. You know, I was going to say, I wonder how many people have just fast forwarded all the way to the end to see if you're still <laughs> pregnant at the end of this episode. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper 
and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Lucky for you, um, this story is, uh, I, I mean, first of all, you'll like the story, but also it is a little shorter than normal, just so, you know, if the baby's here, we can rush through Fantastic. the story faster. Mine's pretty long, so um, too bad. Great. That'll be really fun listening to you talk about, like, horrific stuff while also wincing in pain the whole time, <laughs> and I just get to stare and It'll smile. It'll add the, to the ambiance, I think. Oh, my God. Okay, well, here is a story for you, Christine which you will like. This is me ramping you up to enjoy it, whether or not you're going to. This is the aerial school UFO (gasps) sighting. What's that? So I thought in my head, I was like, oh, an aerial school, like for flights. And that makes sense that a UFO would show up. No, no, no. Aerial like the mermaid. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I thought about Disney Channel. And I was like, yeah, classic M. But no, you thought no, the opposite. I yeah. actually had, I was onto something for a second and then it was wrong. Okay. Um, so it has nothing to do with flight at all. It just happens to be a school named Ariel. Um, okay. Fun fact. Did you, by the way, speaking of the Little Mermaid, did you know that Ursula is her aunt? What was she supposed to be? She's just uh, like the local sea witch. Yeah, I knew that. I thought that but she's I thought like that was part of it. Oh, then I am right? way behind. I am I way know. behind. I thought that I thought I knew that, but maybe I just I, I don't know. I never really watched that movie as we talked about, so <laughs> Oh my god. No, I just found out that Ursula was like Triton's sister. Yeah, I, I feel like, like they what? talked about that in the movie. Also apparently Hercules and Ariel are like first cousins once removed or something. <laughs> Oh my god okay also uh there somebody tagged us in a post on twitter that was really interesting i don't know if you saw that that all the sisters were named after the different seas like the seven seas huh really and, yeah and so uh like ariel's like red sea um i forget they described it all i don't know if it's true but it was like really interesting because they're all named they're all like I'm trying to think of the because I sang it in the last song, yeah. the last one. Yeah, but they all did. start with A's, so I, I wonder if they like all mean something. Well, I like think they were meant to reference different um, seas. And then someone at the it was like a Tumblr post, and then the next person commented, "Is her mom the Dead Sea?" <laughs> I was like, <gasps> "Ouch!" Oh, actually, like okay, that's not funny, but it is very clever. It's um, fascinating. Ariel's sisters, because there's like Adrena, Adela, yes. Alyssa, Alana. So like, Adriatic I, Sea. Oh, okay. Atina, Alana, Adela, Aquata, Arista, and Andrina. Listen, I I don't know. I could be making. I mean, this is just a Tumblr post, so I I don't really know if it's true. Uh, Bering Sea. Apparently, Atina is the Bering Sea because she's the oldest. 
black sea. Huh. It's like based on their personalities and hair, and I, it fun. could be made up. It could be made up, but that could that actually it's it, that would be a fun little nod. Also, fun fact: all of the sisters were voiced by two people. Really? They're, yeah. Well, it makes sense because I mean they were such background characters. I just can't deal with how how much we talk about this movie that I've seen once in my life. <laughs> I have, like zero interest in, but oh well. Uh, oh well. Okay, moving on. Um. Oh, wait, no, I'm not moving on. One last thing about The Little Mermaid. I know. You know how everyone, like, well, maybe not you, but most people I know when they think of, like, who they thought the hottest prince was, a lot of people think it was Prince Eric. Prince Eric, yeah. And I, who am not interested in men, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, like, yeah, Prince Eric is a cutie, but, like, it's a shame that, like, he's, like, not a lady. And then... The and then Little Mermaid two came out and it was the daughter is a spitting image of Prince Eric and I was like now I can vibe now, now we I, get it now okay. we're on the same page here now we're anyway, on board that's so Melanie shout out okay so Fun fact. here here we go here we go um back to aliens so thank God this is basically a sequel to the uh, the story I told in episode two twenty nine which was the Westall incident where there was like a school of like 300 kids who saw yes UFOs come down or yep. aliens. Um, so that was in 1966 and it was in, where was Westall? Wow. I really should have prepped. Okay. Anyway, go back <laughs> to 29 if you want to listen to that episode. This is basically a sequel. It's very similar in a lot of ways. Cause it was at a school. Um, it was in, it was how many years later? Let's see, 1966. And this one was actually September 16th, which is like right around this time, 1994. Um, This was in Rua, Zambia, Zimbabwe. Um, And it was the aerial school, which was a private school in Zimbabwe. Okay. Uh, It was a private school, but also a rural school. And so that comes up later when people try to uh, discredit what the kids saw because like, Oh, it was a rural school. They didn't even have, you know, television, but it's like, it was a private school in the nineties. Like at least a few had a TV. Like I'm pretty sure they had TV. So anyway, that comes up later that it was a private school, but also a rural school and people go back and forth on like the demographics of the children. And if we can trust them, (laughs) if we can trust them based on demographics. Great. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, it was about 10.30 in the morning. Some sources said 10.15 in the morning, but either way, it was snack time, as I call it. Um, there were... <laughs> it was bedtime, as we both call it. Don't <laughs> lie to me. <laughs> uh, it was, there was about 250 kids at the school, and I think there was, um, some sources said it was all 200 kids were outside at recess, but some say there was a, only 110 of them at recess. There was a lot of kids at recess, let's put it that way. They were all between 6 and 12, um, and all of the faculty was inside having a um, staff meeting. And okay. so the person watching, like, all one or 200 of these children was uh, a volunteer slash mom of one of the kids. I guess like a PTA mom, if right. you will. Her name was Allison Kirkman, and she was at the, like, snack shack on the playground. They had, like, a concessions what? booth. What? I know. I didn't have that. Yeah, that immediately puts me in the camp of this was a private school, private school. Like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> was we like, had like a bowl of pretzel sticks and we could only have one. We had we had a concessions booth out on our soccer field. 
Yeah, like um, at the sports place. At the sports part. Yeah. Place. But um, <laughs> Clearly which, I didn't by the play way, sports. Shout out to me in high school. That was like one of the things, one of my extracurriculars is I ran the, the concessions stand when Good I for was. You. Thank you. It, You're I was very pr- like that. You could do that job. I was very proud of it. And it used to look like garbage. And then uh, me and a couple other kids in my grade, we all like volunteered to like clean it out and like bring it back. And I remember getting Aww. chased out of there by a rat. Oh, and and I ran so fast. I like um, hydroplaned <gasps> on some mud and, and I like wiped out and like hit my head on the ground pretty hard. What the so, hell? When I think of a concessions booth, I think of the time I thought I had a concussion. So. <laughs> the time I anyway, thought I had a concussion. Wow. Well, it was never confirmed, but it definitely hurt. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> hurt. Um, so anyway, there was a... Uh, so Allison Kirkman was running the snacks on the playground, which would have made my recess a thousand times better, by the way. Um, Allison said that while she was working, she saw a bunch of kids uh, start running over to her and screaming that they were freaked out by the man in black on the playground (gasps) oh my god she's like this is above my pay grade which is zero because i'm a volunteer she was like do you or do you not want a bag of doritos that's all i can that's that's literally all i can offer you oh my gosh (laughs) i'm already scared yeah and so she ended up telling them like i think she either didn't believe them or she was like i have snacks to sell do you mind and so she basically told them to go run off and play and they were being (laughs) silly i don't know fine so uh, they ended up running back into the school instead. I guess they were like, yo, your mom is not listening to us. So we're going to go talk to the uh, teachers seriously. So uh, there were 62 p- kids that were freaked out by this, by oh, the way. Oh, fuck. Um, which if this was 250 kids in total, that's like a quarter of the kids yeah. at the school saw this thing. Um, so 62 of the kids, they all ran into the faculty meeting and, like, interrupted the meeting and told them that they just saw beings with big black eyes coming out of a UFO. <gasps> so the principal named Colin Mackey, uh, Principal Mackey told them to sit down and draw what they saw and just to, like, I don't know, get an idea of what they Or saw. just, or like, ma- give them an activity to distract them. I was going to say, maybe just to, like, entertain them while they finished up their meeting. Um, so... When combining their experiences, it was so this is one of the issues with this story uh, in terms of like people believing that it happened is because all of the kids 50% saw the same thing and 50% it was just like a fucking mixed bag of information. Uh, they, they, a lot of them described the beings completely different. Some of them described the UFO completely oh. different, but they all had the same kind of general story but what they saw was different like one person said the ufo had black and green stripes one person said the ufo was red one person said that the beings had really long hair some said that it was bald and so like it's that Mm. you know a a lot of people immediately say that they that it didn't happen or that it's not true and so because there's 62 testimonies i did not go through all of them i did not i'm not going to report on all of them But I will give you, like, the general, you know, the general story Mm -hmm. is that uh, some sort of silver spacecraft, uh, and some people even say, oh, there was one. Some people say there was up to, like, three or four. 
So okay. when I say some sort of si- silver spacecraft, think like one to four, pick a number. And that's parentheses <laughs> S and parentheses. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So uh, a silver spacecraft slash spacecrafts were in the sky moving towards a field near the school. So okay. this is the story already. I, c- I couldn't wrap my head around until I saw a visual of it. So imagine that it like the recess playground is like a massive field and in the distance is a fence, which is like the barrier. So like if you're standing uh-huh. far away, you still have all this space to run before right. you're before you go across any like boundaries. So they were not near the fence. So when I say, oh, the UFO landed behind the fence, it still looked kind of far away. I see. Okay. If that makes sense. Like a far but away they, fence. <laughs> but it, yes. But if they wanted to, they could run up to the fence and be a lot closer to the UFO. Got you. Okay. I had a hard time with this because different people's stories were like, oh, I could run up right to them. But also it it, it threw me off. So just know that it, it landed next to a fence that they were allowed to run up to, but they were all far away from it. I got you. That makes sense. Um, so it was moving towards a field near the school and they dropped down on the other side of the fence from the kids and men in black, uh, men in black clothes, uh, a lot of people described it as a scuba suit. They telepathically told the kids that they need to take care of the earth and then vanished. <gasps> like take care of the earth, uh, what, peace sign or like take care of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll be back. No, like, um, I'll, I'll get more into it in a little bit, but basically it was the same trope that we hear a lot of aliens coming in and like showing like, you them like fucked this it, up. Yeah, like yeah. showing images of like natural disasters. That and I can shit. understand. Yeah, like yeah. you're right. You're not wrong. I mean to it's be like, fair, the kids didn't necessarily do it, but like yeah. I like that that was almost it seems like it happened so quickly. It feels like they were like just running an errand in this galaxy and they're like, while we're at it, let me pop over and I'm just, just like, right, step in. Uh, yeah. Get withdraw some money from the ATM, save the planet. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really apparently the the whole experience itself feels like it maybe lasted a couple minutes. So um here's the really vague description that i got from uh one of my sources Uh, just to give you an idea of what we're working with here kids claim that they saw quote one or more either landed or hovered above the field and anywhere between one or four men stood either atop the craft or beside (laughs) the craft faced the children and communicated telepathically the need to take good care of the planet the craft either faded away, flew away quickly, or disappeared, either leaving one or more of the men behind or taking them away. So that's <laughs> what we're dealing with here. So it's like, it really could be fucking anything. Um, I know, but also I'm like, I kind of get it as little kids. Like, I feel like you kind of blow things out of, or or, or you don't necessarily remember it the same, or if somebody can, somebody might be able to influence your perspective based on what they saw. Like, I get why... They might have different rememberings of what happened, but I mean, so to be to be fair, on my I 100% agree with you. And to uh, just so we know where I stand through this, I am team the kids, just yeah. because I'll I'll talk about it later. But a lot of them, I would say, any of them who've been interviewed have no one's taken back their claim. They all still seem pretty rattled by this. Okay, so 
for that alone, I don't understand and I don't get it, but like, I'm just going to roll with their experience. I'm yeah. Just- and I'm with you. And I feel also like this is probably just me giving benefit of the doubt to kids, which it is, but also, you know, I mean, if these aliens have the power to mind control and speak to them through mind control, who knows like what, you know, we talk about black eyed kids and how maybe that's just how we perceive certain yeah. beings. Like maybe they have different perceptions of what they're seeing and it's all in well, their heads. I don't know. What's interesting too, I actually didn't put this in the notes. So thank you for getting me to talk Em, about you're this. so welcome. <laughs> they, um, a few of them as adults even say like the best way I can describe what they were capable of is they could alter perception. And right. so thank you. That's exactly what, what I was saying. So yeah. like if one of them saw a UFO that was red or saw one with green and black stripes, like maybe it was whatever made them feel safer or what they yes, thought might right. cater to the kid. And they even in that same, uh, it's one woman named Emily, by the way, just to give her credit, Emily was saying uh, that they alter perception and with the, in- tension of making you feel more comfortable so yes which we've talked about i feel like some spirits can do that um mm-hmm. interesting oh i w- i've i've experienced yes, that exactly if they, if they want you to feel like you're in danger like they safe. will let you know right, and right. if they want you to feel safe they will give that energy so exactly um so yeah i'm not against like, the idea who, what if i didn't notice stripes because i was busy freaking out that this man was talking to me in my brain you know what i mean i didn't see the green stripes i was busy trying to what if you're colorblind what if you don't know <laughs> what if i'm what colorblind if you, what if you only see red and you needed a red ufo to be able to pay attention what if i, I was don't know eating doritos and i got some cheese on my fingers and i got distracted and didn't see the stripes there's a lot of possibilities here you said it not me but also <laughs> i agree um so uh so yeah so they all claim that they saw you know that vague description something or some or not they saw something maybe um and so um once it was time for pickup at the end of the day principal Mackey saw that a lot of the kids were like getting their their parents like out of the car i guess or like tell like and like making them walk around the property with them and the kids were like telling their story of like giving them a little tour yeah yeah and it's apparently he it and made Principal Mackey also start wondering. So he investigated the school grounds, but he never found anything. Um, but the next Monday, because that was a Friday. So then the weekend passed. And by Monday, he came back to school to several letters from parents asking what the fuck happened <laughs> because all of their children were traumatized. Yeah, good point. They're not sleeping, probably. Yeah, a, a bunch of people, a bunch of parents were even like writing in, like excusing their children from coming back to school <gasps> for a few days. Like wow. they were like, they were like, our kids are fucked up. What happened? So <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> what did you Aww. do? So uh, so that's the main story of what happened right away. But then months later, uh, the BBC finds out about this, which I'll get into how that <laughs> happened later. But the BBC finds out about this and they even have their own like correspondent named Tim Leach. And he goes to the school to report on it. Uh, I think they were going to do a bigger piece on them or it never got edited properly or maybe it got produced forever ago and I just can't find it on the internet anymore so I couldn't find the whole BBC segment but there is still footage that you can find online of the interviews from the kids it's just it's just like raw footage that's cool um so Tim Leach at this point he was a senior correspondent and he was like going out doing like really dangerous stuff for reports but apparently he said 
uh, quote, I could handle war zones, but I could not handle this. But the, I'm picturing not the aliens, but the children. Like, oh my God, no. <laughs> too many children. This is too much. They They're just swarming. swarmed me. <laughs> so um, a, an investigator came at the same time as Tim Leach from BBC. Her name was Cynthia Hind. And she was the apparently the African representative for MUFON, mm. which um, is the mutual UFO network. Wait, we never talked about this. MUFON like moved to Cincinnati, didn't they? Or to Ohio, at least. I think so. I'm a member of MUFON, which means I should be able to give you that information. But I don't read the emails. So oh, great. Well, a bunch of people tagged us in that. And I was like, wow, never, M never mentioned this. But they're, <laughs> let me see. They're in Cincinnati now? I think they're either in oh uh yeah they moved back to ohio i don't know where in ohio but um, fun just one more reason for you to come over here well hey i'm pretty sure i get a guest pass on any lectures so if there's one when i come to visit you one day we can go to a move on meeting together may 19th of this year they moved their headquarters to cincinnati fun so well, hello i'm behind come on. <laughs> i'm behind <sighs> anyway i actually speaking of move on i've been I How was, did I know that? And you didn't know that. I don't know, man. No. I have no answer. I don't know. Uh, Cynthia. Okay, so Cynthia Hind is part of MUFON. And she uh, came to investigate as well. And she interviewed the kids while she was there. So Cynthia becomes a main character in this story. She's kind of like the lead investigator. And as far as I'm concerned, like kind of the only investigator that shows okay. up. Um, she, I guess, had her... And this is another reason that people claim that the kids aren't telling the truth because uh cynthia definitely had like her own agenda here Uh on she uh, she had had her own alien encounters and it it feels like she was investigating other cases from what she says to validate their experience but it feels like it was almost to like help validate her experiences with Mm. alien encounters and uh, she wrote f- or she edited for a newsletter called the UFO Afro news, where she would like write about like, um, reports and sightings and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but it, it feels like she came in definitely biased. Um, well, if you work so, for MUFON, I imagine you're kind of at least biased, right? Like a kind of biased, and also writing for a UFO newsletter and you've had your own experiences. Like it, it doesn't I don't, surprise me one bit. Yeah. So when she, so a lot of people will say like, even if the, like, like even if there's nothing like quote wrong with her and like she loves UFOs and aliens and wants to know all about that stuff, her interviewing the kids might have been leading or something mm, like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the a person that came with her to investigate was a psychiatrist from Harvard Medical School and a Pulitzer Prize winner <laughs> and a UFOologist. He what? Just in his in his free time loved learning about UFOs. Because you have so much free time as a Harvard as a psychologist. Harvard Harvard psychologist Pulitzer and a Pulitzer Prize winner. Jesus. So, uh, so his name is Dr. John Mack. Um, and he also came to talk to the kids with Cynthia. So his uh, interviews were mostly recorded and this is from um, a source called Mail and Guardian, but they had two different transcripts of um, they had transcripts of two of the interviews that were super quick. So I'm just going to read okay. them too. So Dr. John Mack, he was interviewing the kids during this. And he, in the first transcript, he is talking to one little girl and the next transcript, he's talking to another little girl. So he says, what was the feeling when you looked at the eyes of these aliens? 
And the girl said, it was scary. He <laughs> says, scary why? What made it scary? And the girl said, the eyes looked evil. Uh-oh. And then, like, imagine, like, an eight-year-old being like, it was evil. Yeah. Um, Max said, evil? What was evil about them? Say what you mean by evil. And the girl said, it looked evil because it was just staring at me. Uh, as if it wanted to come and take us. <gasps> oh, no. So then the second transcript was Dr. Max saying, how did you, how did those thoughts come to you? Because the aliens were communicating telepathically. How did those thoughts come to you? Did they come to you from the craft or from what? And the girl said, from the man. Uh, He never said anything. It was just the eyes. And Dr. Max said, what was the sense you got from those eyes? And the girl said, he was interested. And I don't Ew. know what that means. It's super vague, but it's super creepy, too. That makes it creepy somehow. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, he was interested, and his eyes were evil. Ugh. No, thank you. Another girl said he wanted to take us. Oh, no. Uh-huh. So, uh, like I said earlier, the testimonies don't entirely line up with each other's. Um, the number of spaceships, the number of people that were there uh, that they saw the description of the spaceships the descriptions of the people they saw what happened to the ufo after the encounter because some people think the ufo didn't even they didn't even see it hover they just saw it landing some people said that they saw the beings pacing on top of the ufo some people said they were pacing in front of the ufo some people said they weren't pacing at all it was just like a real uh, a real mess of stories (laughs) um some people said they saw like flashes of light some people said they heard high-pitched sounds some people said they didn't hear anything so it's really like just a lot of people will say oh it was kids wanting to be part of this like inside joke and they were coming up with their own story i can get that too of like oh i saw it too and like getting swept up in the hysteria of it or if you're a little kid like you don't like maybe you're afraid of like getting like bullied if you tattle or something like in like maybe you have to like you think you're helping by keeping the story going so no one gets in trouble or i don't know yeah so um or maybe it just really fucking happened so here are ways that the kids stories did corroborate with each other okay so they all saw at least one silver ufo that was shining and had a bright glow around it that was in the trees near the school grounds. Mm-hmm. Everyone agreed to that. Okay, that's a big, uh, big, big one. Big piece of the puzzle. Most people saw the UFO already on the ground, but others claim that they saw it floating beforehand and then land. So you could always argue that those people just saw the UFO first right. and just saw it in the process of landing. Right. Uh, eventually, many of the children were... They saw how shiny this thing was, and they knew it didn't belong near the trees, and so they all started running towards the fence to get a closer look, which really means the only thing in between them and the UFO was this fence. Yeah. But they were running closer and closer to it, and they saw at least one being in a very form-fitting, shiny black suit, almost like a wet scuba suit based Ooh. on how the sun reflected. Sexy. <laughs> and it <laughs> came they, apparently they were very short they were only three feet tall or a meter tall um and they came out of the ufo and many people at least say that they saw them pacing um some of the beings walked closer to the kids and some say when they really paid attention to their feet when they were walking closer they were actually floating over instead of walking <gasps> Ooh. This is when the kids all got a better look at the beings, quote, 
pale faces and huge elongated black eyes that were angled inwards so okay, they look so, like yikes. grays they look yeah, like grays terrifying and even if they didn't have malicious intent like no wonder those kids are like it was scary to look at their eyes because like yeah yeah exactly it would be even if they were trying to save the planet like that's still yeah. terrifying it's still like okay so at the very best case scenario if this is true there was a person in a gray's alien mask and it's <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's not comforting it's still creepy yeah <clears throat> um so here's what i think is the creepiest part is one of the girls said that uh two of these beings uh got closer up to her and got beside her and they imitated skipping like she was doing with her friend ew 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 but the feet were floating, so she they were just skipping in the air. And then the being stopped eventually and stared at them. They were going to become black-eyed kids in a few years, and they were practicing for, like, their <laughs> off-putting childlike I was, behavior. I was going to say, like, these are, like, black-eyed kids in the making. Um, They're going to go to the concession stand and be like, can I have ketchup for my Doritos? Uh, they were like, they like those crunchy snacks in that yeah. box over there. Right. Um so yeah imagine like it imitating you and then no. stopping and just staring like yeah no absolutely no, no, not no, no, no. so all the kids uh said that they felt like they couldn't look away like their eyes were fixed <gasps> on these beings and they couldn't turn away even if they wanted to some of the kids said that they felt like these creatures were staring into their souls the kids said that they felt like they these beings were talking to them in their heads mm. and some even had visions of natural disasters <gasps> so one saw a barren planet others saw polluted waters um and these images by the way were like it wasn't just like one image per child apparently there was like image 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 like a like a very fast montage of all these natural disasters oh, no um and some of the kids felt like they heard the beings telling them to use technology uh wisely um including one girl who swears that she heard in her mind that quote humans mustn't get too technologed <laughs> which sounds very black-eyed kids to me by the way <laughs> yeah of, like, and also like too late <laughs> yeah <laughs> humans mustn't get too technologed um oh my god what a weird weird thing to hear or technologed i don't know how they pronounced it <laughs> so uh they all said that time also felt like it was warped or manipulated in some way and they had no awareness of time passing they just said mm. that it felt really slow or off um while these creatures were looking into their souls and sending them these images into their head mm-hmm. they just as quickly um uh, just as quickly as they showed up, apparently the beings vanished. And so a lot of kids don't even remember them leaving. It's almost like they, that memory was wiped away of how Ooh. they left. But some say they remember watching them get back into the UFO and it flying off. Some people say they just literally like disappeared. Um, and the same girl who saw the being skipping said that when they disappeared, it was right when the school bell began to ring and she came to. Wow. So, so like she kind of just like woke out sort of, of it. Like a I trance. guess. Yeah, like a trance. And I wonder if the school bell like freaked them out and they left, or if they planned that, or like I don't know what woke them the, up. Yeah, woke these kids up. But um, weird. So anyway, that is. And f- by the way, like a, a pro, the kids are telling the truth. Is that a lot of like the descriptions of like the UFO. Are, don't line up but every one of them did say it was a ufo which to 
they all had that in common, which I guess you could hear that through the halls of the school and make something up. But a lot of kids, like, seemed to be able to say, like, I saw images of fucking ca- catastrophe. Well, that's what I was like, actually going to say next, too, is, like, that seems like a weird thing for multiple kids to make up. Like, yeah. oh, I saw a barren planet and a wasteland of an ocean. Like, what? Yeah. It's just a yeah. weird thing to make up. So, it, I for me, I feel like that's more convincing. Yeah, I agree. Um, so when Cynthia Hine and Dr. John Mack talked to the teachers, none of the teachers thought that it was true, but they, uh, did believe that the fear from the kids was real. So a lot of the teachers did think like the kids saw something, but you know, I don't know if it was a UFO. Um, even principal Colin Mackey, when he was asked, he said, I agree that it could be something that we are not common with, but to Mm -hmm. actually say that it was a UFO, I would be reluctant to make a decision like that. So, oh, but like a UFO again, like I know Jim Harold always says this on his show, but like it just means it's an unidentified, unidentified. object. Like it's not mm-hmm. saying like, oh, it's little green men or something. Like you're literally just admitting yeah. you don't know. It's just I can't identify that. I yeah. don't know what it is. So yeah, I <sighs> by the definition of a UFO, exactly. it sounds like they saw a UFO. Um, so uh, at least some of the teachers are open minded to it, and they're like, I don't know what they saw, but it freaked them out. Um, yeah. When Cynthia and Dr. John Mack came to talk to the kids, Cynthia brought along Gunter Hoffer, who I guess <laughs> <a> was, German. <laughs> he is a German, it seems to be that way. <laughs> and uh, he apparently brought his own UFO equipment to like test the area and see if like there were any anomalies. But again, the skeptics will say, which this is true, that all of the UFO equipment he brought was homemade. So... <laughs> doesn't feel like it was like accredited or like you know signed off on as like real alien equipment um <laughs> how do you make homemade i mean it's right i don't question. know i don't know <laughs> i don't know but so the equipment found nothing unusual not totally surprising to me but then they also sent off soil samples to the university of zimbabwe uh but that also turned up to not have anything like worth noting okay um so Hind and Mac, both of their research on the aerial school incident was never published as a formal report. But when Dr. Mac wrote his own report about it, he did state that he believed the kids. Um, Cynthia Hind definitely believed the kids. Um, and their one of their big arguments was like, why would 62 children lie about this? And like, I know that that has a point, but there's also the point to like, Again, I am I believe the kids, but like if we're being realistic yeah, with I the agree. information, sixty-two kids could definitely make up a rumor. Have we been to yeah. high school? You know, so like and right, exactly. And I feel like there's also <laughs> that whole psychological uh, theory that's been proven that people who tell a story every time you tell a story, you're like it gets farther and farther from the truth because you're just retelling the story from the last time you told the story. And so witness yeah. testimony is so likely to be skewed especially with kids you know who are especially telling the like story over and over again to each other let's pretend that there was like five kids who like or i don't know let's say six kids let's say there were six kids and they all came up with this little story together on the playground they each told 10 people or right. they each told like three people i don't know it, it, it very quickly with a game of telephone could spiral into a fucking ufo invasion you know yeah 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 so uh many thought that this many skeptics at least thought that this uh whole case was just a a bunch of mass hysteria 
Um, or kids all wanting to be on a joke or again, having a fear of being excluded if they weren't a part of it. And skeptics also believe that not only might it have been kids making up the story, but the case actually only got so popular because of Cynthia Hind herself. Okay. So, um, one, a former student who's been interviewed, who by the way says like the shit is real also did say, quote, I don't, I doubt many people, I doubt many people would have heard about us if uh, Cynthia Hind hadn't made such a fuss. She was the first person to interview the kids and got the news out to all sorts of important people, Dr. Mack included. So Cynthia Hind really, it sounds like she heard about this like potential UFO sighting, like a random UFO sighting at the school and like went there guns a blazing and just like blew this out of proportion. It became a big story. Okay. Um, and that probably just, according to skeptics, would have just reinforced the kids to keep this story alive. Right, right, right. Anytime they got questioned about it. So the reason Cynthia Hind was so adamant about this story is because uh, in Zimbabwe at the time, two nights before this UFO sighting, uh, there was a rocket in the area called the Zenit 2 and it was from the Cosmos 2290 satellite. Oh. It had been it had launched out and was in at this time two nights before the UFO sighting it was re-entering the atmosphere. Oh. And during its re-entry there were burning streaks in the sky which caused the illusion of fireballs flying across the sky. Okay. And many people called into local radios saying that they swore they were seeing UFOs. Uh, they were seeing like meteors flying through the sky. It looked uh-huh. like it, it really quickly turned into like a frenzy of everyone writing in saying like, there are aliens in Zimbabwe. There are UFOs kids, in Zimbabwe. Like, like no, this adults. was just yeah. two nights before everyone was just right. seeing fireballs in the sky and everyone was calling in being like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Right. Okay. And so, uh, because there was such an influx into the local radio shows, about all these sightings around the area of what looked like ufos the bbc heard about this and they reached out to to the community for more info or pictures so they could like write about and be like look doesn't this look like a ufo in the sky um and eventually they heard that there was one of many sightings by the aerial school Mm-hmm. And so uh, that after the after a couple of days passed, they were like, oh, and a bunch of kids said they saw something by the school, too. So one of the people who happened to be in the area at the time was Cynthia Hind, who heard on the radio the BBC saying, we heard there's a sighting at the mm. school. Like, does anyone have any more information? And so uh, I think Cynthia just heard that one on the radio and just ran with it and was like, oh, a bunch of kids say they saw something. This has to mean something. And right. she already had acts. She was already friends with, I think, Dr. John Mack, who was like literally someone from the U.S. at Harvard and a Pulitzer yeah. Prize winner who believes in aliens. A lot of skeptics say that she just called a bunch of her contacts through MUFON and had them come. And it had so much, um, they all looked so credible that if right. they were vouching that aliens were seen here, the story just kind of blew up that this UFO report was real. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. And I okay. also just like side note too. And again, like I do, like I'm on the side of like, I want to believe the kids, but oh, sorry, Junie's here now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also can see how if you were a kid 
and you're like say that weekend or a couple days earlier like you heard that your uncle saw something in the sky or whatever that that could have spurred some kids to be like yeah i want to see a ufo and then kind of blow it out of like or i can also, see why that would get in some a kid's head like if, if or like what satellite. if what if you're a kid walking down the hall and like you're hearing all this like all this like kerfuffle about like yeah. oh my gosh like there's like someone coming from like out of the country and he's like he believes in aliens and he's like huge in the alien world and he's going to interview all of us about this thing like maybe you didn't even know there was a ufo sighting but now like you're being told like hey professionals are coming in to talk to you like they maybe you interview feel like, us yeah maybe you feel like you need to yeah have a story or like when because the, the bbc came with their cameras so maybe kids like just wanted to be on tv like it could be a lot of things again i am with the kids that something happened yeah. but i do see all of the like potholes in this I story agree. i agree completely so and, like uh, i can see why it would have even been like from the beginning where the story could have even stemmed from of like a couple of days earlier you heard like your neighbor saw something in the sky and you thought that was really cool and you came to school well, and said, I also saw something in the sky. You know, I feel like that I becomes see. part of the argument, too, in, I a, in a second. So, okay. um, so uh, according to Skeptoid, uh, when <laughs> who's that? It's a, it's a, it's a uh, site where basically they write about cases in a purely skeptical like fashion. Like a Snopes, but for Like aliens. a Snopes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a paranormal Snopes. In my head, this was like a cartoon character named Skeptoid. Who has, he like, could be like Dr. Skeptoid, where there's like yeah. lightning that flashes behind oh, him. Oh, for sure. He has a cape and everything. It's great. <laughs> so uh, according to uh, Skeptoid the Source, not the evil character on Disney Channel, um, <laughs> when Cynthia actually went to the school because she heard about this story, went to the school, and it now kind of makes sense, too, why no one else was investigating this, because there were so many sightings in the area that none of them were like really, none of them had any like real meat to it. Yeah. But she like held on to this one went to the school by herself and she apparently is the one who uh she saw a bunch of the drawings that principal Mackey had the kids do mm -hmm. she took the drawings and made photocopies of them and she was showing like the best quote the best ones to the public and the best ones all just looked like your average run-of-the-mill ufo i mean in which like any kid could have seen on a television right. show or in a comic book and so at least 22 of the drawings she pulled from were all, like, very obviously could have gotten them from any cartoon. Like, kind of cliche. Yeah. Okay. And um, this is where Cynthia was claiming that the craziest part about the kids drawing all of these UFOs is that none of them would know what a UFO looked like because they didn't have access to TVs or movie theaters and everyone else is like, it was 1994. And like, they, they lived in a concession stand at recess. Like, and they lived <laughs> in, a, in a privileged or they had a, they were at a privileged school. Also, I will note for just to uh, make the case that demographically, it was a mixed bag of the kids that saw this UFO and swear the story up and down happened. There were, there were uh, kids of color, there were white kids. Uh, there was like, actually, at one point, Cynthia wrote a whole little article. Uh, and one of the one of the first parts in a paragraph was she was listing all types of kids who saw this, right. which yikes, but also like like oh, that shouldn't matter. But also it does let you know that like it wasn't just like pri privileged, you know, shitty white kids trying to like be cool or something. I don't know. Who like it's, saw a certain or had some access to something that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 
so it was it really was a mixed bag of everyone who saw it. It was 1994. They were all at this privileged school. At least someone had one television and at least one person had heard of an alien in 1994. Well, and also like you don't need a television. Like there's books that have al- like in the 90s books, like there were definitely comic books. There were exact cartoons. You go to the library, I'm sure you could find a picture of a UFO. And also, again, like, let's remember this is the 90s. Like, all these kids are being raised by all the all their parents who went through the UFO craze. Like, mm-hmm. someone's talked about UFOs to these kids. Um, and so... Yeah, I think that's a silly argument to say, like, they don't know what UFOs look like. I'm leaning into the TV thing because that was the main argument. Yeah, like, yeah. She was like, oh, well, they didn't have access to television because they were in a rural area. And it's like, okay, but even places that are rural have a fucking TV sometimes. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So uh, the so the aerial school they the argument was like okay someone knew what a UFO was like and also to your point too like they knew what they probably knew what a UFO was they'd at least heard of one or at least heard of an alien but like on top of it anyone who had a newspaper let alone a TV in the last week with all of these sightings in right. the area like any kid could have been like I was one of the people who saw a UFO yeah. My so, neighbor saw it, and my uncle saw it, and now I want to see it. Like, who knows? Exactly. Yeah. So this is a quote from the BBC, and they said, in all of the pro-UFO, I like how it's called pro-UFO, like <laughs> I'm team, like this happened. Pro-UFO. Uh, so uh, in all the pro-UFO reporting of this event, you'll read that these rural African children were unfamiliar with popular media and you certainly will not read that they'd all heard the day before on every radio and tv station that spaceships were saturating the skies all stemming from that zenit 2 rocket Mm re-entry the ufo community misrepresents the children's background in an effort to persuade you that their stories deserve more credibility than they do so shout out to shout out to bbc for being like low-key racist like it's like not not a cute look everyone like kids just Kids can just maybe be telling the fucking truth. So um, some also say that not only was Cynthia Hind like really like grasping for there to be like a pro UFO stance at the end of this case. Um, they say that John, Dr. John Mack, who came with her and interviewed the kids, um, that he also was super biased in investigating this. And the two of them could have been working together to try to make the case seem like there was like the alien story was true right it's so weird because like i don't want to say that they're like the antagonists of this story at all because like if they're both really interested in aliens and they think this is going to be the case that proves to everybody that you know ufos exist and aliens exist i i almost i feel like i sound like i'm siding against them even though i'm on the same side where i think that the kids are telling the truth right but I also do think that they have blinders on and I just want to, you know, establish that. So, but the two of them, skeptics will say like, oh, they were working together because they both really wanted aliens to be proven true after this. Um, And here is how Dr. John Mack comes across as biased in all of this. Mm. He was the Harvard professor. He even had tenure, um, but he apparently left his job to become a full-time alien investigator. Oh. Um, so, like, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and before quitting, he wrote a book called Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens. And Harvard even 
had to do an investigation on him for gaslighting people into thinking that they saw UFOs <gasps> so he could use their witness testimonies oh. in the book. Oh, no. Um, Yikes. Allegedly. There Allegedly. was an investigation. Right. There was an investigation because, like, the way that he was getting his information was not... That was like, the accusation, is that he was gaslighting it, people. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It didn't seem ethical or that the stories were true or how mm -hmm. was he getting his information. So a colleague from Harvard even said that John Mack was, quote, a brilliant fellow who occasionally loses it, but this time he's lost it big time. <laughs> occasionally loses it. You know, occasionally is fine, but this time. But this really time it's not an occasion end. anymore. Wow. <laughs> so Cynthia Hine potentially uh, brought Mack in because, again, he was, you know, he had the name Harvard behind him. He had Pulitzer mm -hmm, behind mm -hmm. him. He had, like, he had all these... Um, he was an academic with a lot of credibility in a lot of places. And for him to uh, also have risked his job in theory by having come out and like been such a fervent believer in aliens, it's, she seemed like he was a good fit to come and be a part of this with her. Yeah. Yeah. I could see um, that. And it, like, it was phrased in the, in the sources, like risked his credibility, but it's like, he also actively quit. So like, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's risked that already. I he think. like took the risk. He like, w he agreed with the risk. <laughs> so he, um, he and the risk got eloped, I think. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, it just probably wasn't a good look that the two people who first came and pretty much only came to check out the scene were likely hoping to find UFO abductees for mm -hmm. their own satisfaction in some way. Um, Skeptoid, the Dr. Skeptoid, his name <laughs> is uh, the guy who wrote this article. His name was Brian Dunning. And he said about Cynthia Hine and John Mack, he said, quote, when multiple witnesses are involved in something, they should be interviewed as soon as possible and separately to avoid any cross-contamination between their stories. But Mac did the opposite and gave the students two months to talk amongst themselves oh. before before they even came to the school. He yeah. like they only showed up two months after, so the kids had already created all these stories. That's where the pro yeah, that I can see why that would be a big problem. And Cynthia Hines' own interviews were even worse because she interviewed the children in groups of four to six while the other children were allowed to watch and listen to each group. And every uh, single child's story was necessarily cross-contaminated necessarily cross with the others. There is little wonder why she always reported that all the students told the exact same story. So, so Right, so they're watching each other tell the stories and they're not going to go completely off the... Right, and it, yeah. so it, it could have been like a, just a big case of peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even just being influenced subconsciously, like hearing other and saying, yeah, I guess I did see that. Right. Yeah. And um, or like there were even kids at the school where like two siblings were there at the same time. So like mm -hmm. if one believes it, maybe you want to like look up to the other sibling or so who knows. Um, like I said earlier, Principal Colin Mackey, he said that like they saw they definitely saw something. It could have been something, quote, that we are not common with, but he didn't want to fully blanket statement say that it was a right. UFO. Even though it was a UFO, by definition. Even though technically, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, John Mack, when he was asked about whether or not he believed the children, it was pretty much a resounding yes. But he, uh, this is a quote from him. I would never say, yes, there are aliens taking people. But I would say there is a compelling, powerful phenomenon here that I can't account for in any other way. I can't know what it is, but it seems to me that it invites a deeper, further inquiry. Okay. 
Okay. Um, okay. So just say yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. <laughs> so Cynthia Hind uh, actually passed in 2000, so six years later, and John Mack died in 2004, which was 10 years later. Um, supporters have founded the John Mack Institute in his honor. Um, and then I, I want to give a shout out to Reddit because this was like a last minute. I'd already done my notes, but I just wanted to see if there was anything on Reddit. Mm. There's a whole like category called aerial school event 1994 like um, a subreddit i don't know if it's a subreddit it was in the subreddit of like ufo believers but there was like oh. a tab there was like a tab or maybe a flare oh, i don't, oh, I don't sure. know what the right words are but you could click on a bubble that says aerial was, school of right, incident right. or aerial school event 1994 and it led to all things tagged under that so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in there, which I'd already done my notes, so watching all this was kind of um, redundant for me. But if you are interested in this, there is a lot of good footage in that tab. Um, there are videos of kids today, uh, the kids back then, adults oh, today, cool. being inter- in- being interviewed about what they saw. They all seem to still believe it 100%. Um, a lot of them have spoken for other former students who say, like, a lot of them never even told their parents about this or never tell their families about it. Like, but they, you know, so they, they're kind of hiding, but the few of us who are willing to speak are very happy to talk on it. Um, some of the witnesses have even, I don't know if they've made real careers about it over it, but they at least do like public events. They go to speaking engagements. They are very open about what they saw. Um, they're on a bunch of media platforms and a lot of their videos are also in this tab on, on Reddit. Um, some of them have said that they've even had experiences since um, mm. with aliens, almost as if like that was the first one to like tap them yeah. into this connection. Because I believe that theory that if you if you see something or experiencing, you're more likely to re-experience it with aliens. So a lot of them think that they have this weird connection now with them. Um, one of them even said that they've had experiences where now they've seen the the greys like morphing into other creatures in front of them no thank you i don't know if that's like a fear tactic or something but that sounds horrible where it's like oh now i don't even know what i'm looking at i can't trust my own eyes no so another former student said you want to know the real message here the real message is that this stuff can brand you for life it undermined max credibility became this huge unending thing for others and it certainly fucked me up i mean try telling people that you live in permanent fear of these things returning one day try telling them that you can actually sense when they're back in our atmosphere and they'll think you're a kook sense when they're back oh yeah no. so like no. another confirmation that you they have a weird connection now where you can feel them come back into our planet terrible so um, it's almost other... like you would want to ha- like you'd want to know because it's like well at least I have preparation but then also but like... then like the heightened fear when you've yes. said something and and it's like now what what do you, you know but like, what are you gonna do if they show up full goose Just cam man you know they're here doesn't like help you ah that's so scary on this Reddit tab they also have um ha- there was at least a half hour when you combine all the videos of raw interview footage of the kids I think that it was them being interviewed by Cynthia for BBC okay uh, or either by Cynthia or by BBC. Um, there are other interviews. Um, there's testimonies and they, a lot of the testimonies were so similar that um, 
I mean, it was pretty much what I already described. A lot of, they were so similar, but some of them were so different. That's why I didn't write all of them down. But if you want to listen to all of them, there's at least a nice chunk of them on Reddit for you. There's apparently a documentary called The Aerial School Phenomenon, um, which is, quote, coming soon and has been Ooh. coming soon since 2018. Ooh. So it's like um, um, that office clip where they go on the website and it says under construction. Yes. Coming yes. soon Christmas 2006 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently the filmmaker was hired by. So when John Mack died, they made that uh, foundation after him and they hired a filmmaker named Randall Nickerson to make a documentary out of all the raw footage or um to do something with it. And then I guess they just haven't had the funding to be able to push it through. Right. But in 2018, there was an AMA and ask me anything um, on Reddit by Randall Nickerson. And the title of it, if you want to go looking for it on Reddit is I am Randall Nickerson, director of documentary of the documentary on aerial school UFO sightings here with Salma, a student witness to the event. So very, very long, but there you go. If you want to type it in, um, and apparently he, the last we heard from him, he was still looking for former students to interview, but across the board, none of their stories had changed according to him. And he said, quote, not what you would expect if they had all made it up. Okay, um, I'm interested. One of them, even literally two or three days ago, by the time this comes out, it'll have been like a week ago, but very weird that I was researching this and only 48 hours before uh, a new video was posted in <sighs> that thread. And it was of the girl, Emily, um, she was telling her story and like, I'll just go watch her video. And like, you really believe these kids. Cause she was still really fucking rattled. Um, uh, she was the one who was spoken to by, or she was one of the kids who was spoken to by the beings about technology. <gasps> and apparently in her head, they told her there's a good way to use technology in a bad way. And we can be doing better. Aww. Um, and, the way that she really finalized it was saying it a lot of people still ask us about the ship or the beings or what they look like or what the ship looked like but none of that matters what we should be paying attention to is what they're saying to us yes very good point and i am apparently pro ufo and that like these kids i think <laughs> are telling the truth i think there are like an insane amount of uh i want to say potholes again like like plot holes potholes 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 or potholes (laughs) but like i mean there's like clearly a bunch of like spaces for a skeptic to have a fair fight in this but i do still think that the kids are telling the truth like there might be some okay i was gonna say holes but like we've already said that 10 times yeah (laughs) i get what you're saying black holes maybe a ufo themed ufo themed pothole um anyway so there's the uh ufo sighting from the aerial school in zimbabwe nice work okay wow that's spooky and i i think it does add some credibility or there's something to be said at least for the people who are still now who are now adults and saying like yo i didn't make that shit up like yeah because and for kids, all of I them it's hard to be taken seriously as a kid so like it must must have been tough if you really did see something and people are like they're full of it they're making it up but if they're still saying I would say most of the information today is coming from two of the students, one named Emily, who I was talking about, and then Mm -hmm. the other one who got mentioned for a second, Salma. Yeah. I want to give credit to both of them because, like, they have not stopped telling their story. They are like, this happened, like, and are so sure of it. So um, if you do find a video 
of the kids being interviewed or the adults now being interviewed, you'll probably run into one of the two of them. And, um, but I just wanted to give them a shout out because a lot of my information came from sources that showed well, video good of for them. them for standing up for themselves because i bet they've gotten a lot of shit over the years yeah yeah wow that's a great story em do you have to go pee do you have to go have a baby um, where are you <laughs> oh no yeah the baby's right here no oh uh, there's actually a juniper on my lap so i can't really move right now um, you've got a lot of things going on on your body that's the thing is like the cat i know we talked about this in the listeners episode but if you're one of those big meanies who doesn't listen to our listener episodes first of all you should they're a good time second of all uh we talked about how juniper's the last couple of days been like weirdly obsessed with me you know he's, like, it's obsessed it's, with me she, oh my god he's like so obsessed it's also uh oh you never told anybody that the, the baby is not upside down or sideways or something now. oh my god you're <laughs> or sideways or something yeah the baby, diagonal i don't know <laughs> allegedly according to the midwife is now head down which is a good thing because it means they're not sideways, which would have necessitated a, a C-section, yeah. um, which is fine. But, you know, ideally, I'd rather uh, not go straight into it. So we'll see. But um, I do, allegedly, the baby is now head down, which is less painful. Um, less, uh, less painful, except now you're having contractions. So right. which is it? I prefer this over the fucking like really? many limbs going sideways into all my organs. Um, Fun fact: better. contractions aren't the worst part of having a baby. Oh, apparently. I wouldn't say that, especially because these are Braxton Hicks contractions, which are not real, quote unquote. So I'm sure once the real ones show up, I'll have something different to say. Um, I'm very excited for you to be able to rank an actual contraction because I do think of your stomach as like Iron Man, like, <laughs> like, like knows no bounds in pain, like just impossible to feel anything. So I'm very I, excited. Yeah, I'm curious because I always Googled like, you know, everyone wants to know like, well, not everyone, but you know, I always want to know like what contractions actually, fe- I think so, right? Like, everyone was, thinks it, everyone thinks everyone it. Everyone wonders. And so I always, and people like M earlier said too, like people always describe it as like really intense period cramps and like. For me right now, that's not at all what it feels like. So I don't know if it's going to be different when they're, like, real. I feel like the way that people that haven't had a baby who are able to have periods, I feel like the only way they can think about it is, like, it must feel like a horrible period. Yeah, that's what I would have always imagined. But to me, at least, it doesn't feel at all like that feels like Eva described or Eva suggested, like, a Charlie horse in my stomach, which (laughs) is fun. But, I mean, I'd kind of prefer this over a really bad period cramp, but maybe it'll get to that. Oh, sorry. I'm Is it happening right now? Yeah. It's almost over. Oh my okay. god! <laughs> what, so wait, how how many times did you have contractions while I was telling the story? Was it every five to seven minutes? Um, how were you able to listen during that? I'm by the really way? good at multitask. Well, because I was just oh, I don't know. I, listen, I'm in pain a lot in my life. I'm used to. it I right guess now. so. Every five to seven minutes, you would have heard me go, Christine, hang the fuck on. Oh my god, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. It really is just like kind of uncomfortable, but like. I guess at this point, when you're this late in a pregnancy, you're just uncomfortable. That's just your state of being. So, you know, it's not like it's anything shockingly new to my system. Uh, but still, um, sorry about all that. All good. Listen, I have a cat on my lap. I have a box of Cheez-Its over here. I'm living the dream.
Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. And that's why we drink is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, And in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I'm excited because I'm telling you a story that I have always wanted to tell you. And I'm what? so amped. You know, it's shocking because we have been doing this for how long I now? Know. <laughs> a long time. And then you tell me I've always wanted to cover this. And I'm like, it has been four years. That's Why? the thing is there are so <laughs> many fucking true crime stories that like every time I'm like, wow, that was a big one. I've always wanted to cover. It's like, well, now there's there's just another one lined up. You know, it's just. And now that I have this Discovery Plus obsession, uh, I just get endless, endless content. Um, but this one is one I actually talked about on Instagram when I was doing my little Discovery Plus promo thing, um, which is the story of Lacey and Scott Peterson. Oh, I have heard of this one. Yay. <laughs> Lacey and Scott Peterson. I don't know the story, though. Okay, good. Shockingly, well. except not at all. <laughs> but I, that's a name I know. That one is that one was topical for a while. It was very topical. It's a hard hitter. Yes. Um, okay. So we're going to get right into it. Christmas Eve 2002. 26-year-old Lacey Peterson vanishes. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. This immediately one sentence in, Christine. I'm an expert. So it feels like... (laughs) Oh, great. All right, everybody. 
Sit down. We're done. M's I've already it solved it. Um, so Scott did it. As far as I know, three words in. Um, but also, I I remember this story being as topical as Casey Anthony and yes. always getting them confused. Me but too, I, M. Okay. Okay. So I'm not crazy. No, I always, I always did too. And I, I don't, they're different. They're like seven years apart, but in my head. They're the same story in my head. I don't Casey know why. Casey Anthony. And then the other one, um, there's one more. And then this one and they, in my head, they all got so much media coverage that I got them all jumbled in my head. I think of the Chris Watts story. Yeah. And the Chris Watts. Okay. It's very similar to that, to that case too. Yeah. yeah. I, f- I feel like, well, I'll, that makes sense because they're both, they happened within the last like in my mind, 10 years, even though 2002 was 20 years ago. Yikes. Yikes. But, but I, they feel like they happened recently and they were both a couple and they were both very relevant and topical and talked about. So There's like a lot of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is why I confuse it with the Watts story. I remember hearing the Chris Watts story in like little pieces at one point, And I remember thinking it was like <laughs> with no knowledge. I was like, Oh, so it's basically the Scott and Lacey Peterson story. <laughs> it's really sim- No, they're really similar. Like okay. I, I was going to actually mention. Maybe that's during... why. Maybe they were compared a lot. And they the probably news. were compared. You know what? It, you think you're right. Cause there are some like, I'll get to the actual parallels, but like, they're very similar um, okay. when you get down to like the bare bones of it. And then, um, and they, and Casey Anthony, just because I think, oh, and not Elizabeth smart, but I, like on, in terms of like it being as topical at the same time in my mind, they all were, like during they all our different smattered together. Development state, developmental stages, what yes. was going on in the news. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. There are some cases that like it, just the name I remember being everywhere and not necessarily having known what was going on but yeah um yeah so exactly so you're already way ahead of the game here man ah okay look at, fine. You. look at me go so we're at christmas eve 2002 lacey peterson goes missing uh-huh. she had woken that morning next to her husband scott at their home in modesto california they had had breakfast watched some tv and scott who had originally wanted to go golfing but decided it was too cold to go golfing left to go fishing at 9 30 a.m at the berkeley marina if it's too cold to go golfing, it's too cold to do anything. To go like, under the water? <laughs> yeah, like, hmm, let me go be near water where I could fall in and freeze to death. That Listen, already sounds sporty, bad. Outdoor sporty people are not my jam, so I don't get it. Not that the people are, but I don't have the same interests, so I can't. I also don't get the people, to be to fair. Them. Like, I, I have, uh, uh, I have one friend. I, I don't know if I, I mean, my friend Reno, but she, that woman loves being sporty and no. has not seemed to grasp that like, when you text me and ask if I want to come with you, I will always say no. I will fake a reason. I will deliberately tell you, no, I'm not going, but I don't understand those people what at all. What kind of sporty like, events? Like hiking? Everything. Anything. Oh, anything. No. Anything. They're like, oh, well, also, to be fair, she is a literal model and actress. And right. so I think she, she just has to always keep her body moving. She's sporty, right. And she's like, oh, let's just like, I don't know. It's usually hiking. Let's go kayaking. It could be kayaking. Yeah. It could be anything that involves sweating. And I'm like, Rena, we are in two different sides of entertainment, my friend. Like, I, right, right. I get to sit here. I'm literally not wearing pants right now. So, no, like, same. <laughs> like I don't, I don't need, I don't need to go be hiking and everything to make my podcast work. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not really relevant to our career path. Um, no. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Obviously, that's why we're friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he goes fishing, which I guess is what people do when they have boats. Uh, so he, <laughs> sure. I guess he hops in his car 
says hi to a neighbor, goes to his warehouse where he keeps his boat and answered a few emails. And the warehouse was also Scott's work base because he was a salesman for a subsidiary of a European fertilizer company called Trade Corp USA. So it's sort of his workplace and where he keeps his boat. So after sending some emails, he hooks his boat up to his car and drives off. Meanwhile, Lacey is watching her favorite show, Martha Stewart. Oh. And I know, which is just like, it puts it so into perspective. Like 2002, Martha Stewart's on cable. Like Christmas I love Eve. it. I'm already team Lacey. I'm already, know, like, she's not going out and doing sports. She's, she's staying like inside fishing. when it's cold and she's watching Martha Stewart. It, it was funny. They like are a golfing couple and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I just totally don't get that. But, you know, I know. Allison and I are a mini golf couple. Yeah. But, like, oh, 100%. That's as far category. as we go. Yeah, it's like you had one word, and it's a completely different scenario. Like, <laughs> yeah, we like no country club involved. Like, it's a totally different scenario. We like mini golf. We like disc golf. But you just leave us with golf, and we are not. The going. golf part is not the greatest. Yeah, no. and and mini golf, you know, especially nowadays, they sometimes add bars for millennials like me. Uh huh. That's uh-huh. fun. You know, glow yeah. in the dark. There's some. It's like the reverse barcade because you're always like, oh, I want to drink, but like, hey, there's an arcade piece here for you. But for me, yeah. it's like, hey, I want to go mini golfing, but hey, now they provide drinks like, for you. That's the perfect scenario for you and me because it's like, we both get priority access to what we want. Yes, bingo. <laughs> the fun bingo. <laughs> activity. It's genius. <clears throat> um, so. Anyway, so he goes golfing. She's watching Martha Stewart. It's Christmas Eve, so she has plans to relax, bake gingerbread cookies, and clean, and walk her dog. They have a golden retriever named Mackenzie. So poor sweetheart Mackenzie, he gets really roped into this whole story, and becomes (gasps) like a nothing bad happens to him, but he just becomes like a like a an integral piece to this timeline, if that makes sense. Like he becomes a piece of evidence for like the timeline. Also, are they very, like, are they, like, bougie, wealthy white people? Yes, they're upper middle class. They were pretty conservative folks. Um, They were kind of in that, like, central California. Like, they belong to a country club. I mean, you said golfing, fishing. They have a boat and a golden retriever named Mackenzie. So I was like, these sound exactly like I can envision them. They're watching Martha Stewart on Christmas Uh Eve and baking gingerbread cookies. Yeah, they're pretty... They're pretty. They're, they've got they the lived, trope going for them. Yes, yes. It's very <laughs> yeah. much like white upper class, middle upper class America. You know. Got it. Exactly. Like what you can picture. I don't know if they lived on a cul-de-sac, but that's kind of what I imagine as part of their whole. On vibe. top of a fairway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Exactly. Because he would talk about like the club, and I was like, okay, so clearly I get the vibe here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they have this golden retriever named Mackenzie, and he becomes kind of an integral part of this timeline. So. She has plans to bake cookies, watch TV, walk the dog. And strangely, just a few hours later at 10, 18 a.m., a neighbor spotted Mackenzie, the dog, walking around the neighborhood covered in mud and dragging her leash with no lacy in sight. Oh, shit. Big red flag. So the neighbor who spotted Mackenzie returned her to the Peterson's backyard and shut the gate and just went on with her day. And apparently that's because this sometimes happened where if Lacey was out gardening or they were in the backyard and left the gate open, sometimes Mackenzie would wander out. So it wasn't like a huge red flag. It was sort of like, oh, sometimes the dog gets out and everyone knows each other. So she just puts the dog back in the backyard. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. So by 12.54 p.m., Scott had arrived at the marina. He parked his car and went off in his boat. And at 2.15 p.m., he calls Lacey. She doesn't pick up, so he leaves her a message that says, Hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Now at 4.30, he arrives back to his warehouse, drops off his boat, and heads home. 
So, Scott returns from his fishing trip, and Lacey is nowhere to be found. Her car's in the driveway, and so, of course, he thinks, oh, maybe she's out walking the dog. Hold on, the dog's in the backyard with his leash on. So, that's odd. So that's fishy, yeah. Fishy. So, he assumes maybe Lacey went to her mom's house. So, he'd gotten wet on his fishing trip. He takes a quick shower. When he hops out, he still has not heard from Lacey. So, he calls Lacey's mom, Sharon, to check in. But Sharon says, I haven't heard from or seen Lacey either. So... Now alarm bells start going off, and it was especially alarming that Lacey is missing because, which I have not mentioned yet, she's eight months pregnant. <gasps> oh my, okay. So here's another parallel to the Chris Watts story. Right, because she was having her second baby or third baby or pregnant. something? Yes, exactly, yeah. with her third. Yeah. So Sharon's family grows nervous. It's Christmas Eve. Where else would she be? They make a few calls. They call Lacey's friends who know nothing of where she is. And eventually, Lacey's stepfather decides to call 911. And in some of the documentaries, you can hear the 911 call where he basically says, the dog came home without without my stepdaughter. Like, the, she went to take her dog for a walk, and the dog came home, and she didn't, which is, ter- I mean, horror movie, like, terrifying. That's pretty bad, yeah. So the police respond immediately. They meet with Scott in East La Loma Park, where Lacey usually walked Mackenzie. And the lead detective was a guy named Al Brocchini, and he becomes a major player in this story as well. So What's his he, name? Al Brocchini. Brocchini, okay. Brocchini. So he asks Scott if they can return with him to the house to, like, look around. Scott says, okay. They go to the house. They don't notice any forced entry. There's no sign of a struggle, no blood. And, like, obviously that's a good thing, but also it just adds more confusion as to where Lacey is. Mm-hmm. So Scott voluntarily sits down at the police station between 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. for a one-hour interview with Detective Brocchini. And Scott takes them through the timeline of this day. And he describes everything, including the Martha Stewart special. And when they ask, like, oh, do you remember what was on the Martha Stewart special? He says on the episode they discussed what to do with meringue. So he had picked that up from the show. So they write all this down and um, that just remember that (laughs) basically Mm -hmm. what to do with meringue. So the next morning, still no sign of Lacey and police noticed that Scott wasn't particularly concerned in asking police like how, what they'd done, what they had, how they, if they had found anything. Yeah. Any Um, leads. Yeah. And to them, they kind of described his attitude as disinterest. Hmm. And although in his initial interview he had agreed to take a polygraph, he now refused to take one. And I want to mention here that there's a six-part documentary series called The Murder of Lacey Peterson. I watched it once on Hulu like two years ago or whenever it came out. And I watched it recently again on Discovery Plus, but it's also on Amazon Prime. And it's really, really in-depth. It's literally six parts, like six full hour-long, hour-and-a-half-long episodes. Um, So it's really, really in-depth, but it's kind of controversial because it takes a different approach than a lot of the other pieces of media. It's more pro-Scott, or or not necessarily, I don't know how to describe it. It's more, it it has a different angle. I feel like a lot of, it shows some, like, black holes in the case, some... uh, some potholes in the case, if you will. Some potholes, some black holes. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. <laughs> different kinds of holes in the case, and it kind of shines a light on that, which makes you at least have a little bit of like, huh, and question the whole thing. Mm. But I think it does shine a lot of light on the flaws of the case and is extremely thorough. 
Um, and in the documentary, Scott's father explains that he was the one who told his son not to do a polygraph because if anything comes up from the interview, like police and media would latch onto it and immediately sure. make him look guilty. But obviously now that he's refusing to take a polygraph, that doesn't help his image either. That also okay. makes him look suspicious. So by December 26th, the story is picked up by the media and it blows up. Um, even the headline was a cliffhanger. An eight-month pregnant woman has gone missing on Christmas Eve. You know, it's just like the perfect, I don't know, media spectrum. Storm? Yeah. yeah. A, a storm? I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, an eight-month pregnant woman goes missing Christmas Eve. Like, it's just like, you know, she's the girl next door, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So the Modesto community responded in droves. Hundreds of volunteers turned up to help with search parties. Um, some people were hanging up flyers. It was like a huge community gathering. They opened a volunteer center at the local Red Lion Hotel so everyone could join together and have a meeting spot. And local restaurants were supplying food for free to the volunteers. Um, and while all this is going on, everyone has one eye on Scott to just see sure. how he's acting. And sure. he's acting slightly fishy. So in the days that followed the disappearance of his wife and unborn child, Scott didn't seem, let's say, let's see, how should I put it? He didn't seem particularly perturbed <laughs> by the situation. This does sound a lot like Chris Watson, that yep. he's just like, kind of not responding. But then did he use that in his case of like, well, you don't know how people are going to respond? Well, it's like such a f hard thing to pin on someone. Like it's, it's sort of like how... No, like again, nobody knows how they would respond in a situation like this unless it happens to you. Um, but like distraught is a fair word to use, like or like like for some people grieving or like maybe being like kind of sad is one way. But like when I think of grieving, I feel like at least with Chris Watson, him, it seems like just a not at all reaction or not even asking questions. Yeah, it's like sort I of feel like, like they just step away from the whole situation yeah yeah and i'm not to like you know judge anyone for how they grieve but i feel like even people who are maybe showing less emotion are still at least like what at least a little information or want to know like what's going on it's just it is just odd compared to what how i think i would probably handle something yeah it's definitely fishy and it definitely got people raising their eyebrow eyebrows eyebrow i don't know and it They're depends on if they have one or two collective eyebrow <laughs> <laughs> um so he didn't seem particularly perturbed uh a man so this here's one example a man named ed Steele had been assigned to be scott peterson's bodyguard during this time and he remembers one day he went to the volunteer center everyone else is like frenzied trying to work and trying to like uh you know figure out next steps and meanwhile scott is sitting at a table like tucking into a plate full of ribs and like chowing down and he gleefully shouted hey ed come check this out and like uh. picks up a huge rib and is like look at this rib and he's like super amused by this like rib. See, but that's the other weird thing like <coughs> sorry that's the other weird thing of like he should at i would think and again i could be a complete asshole right now judging people for how they grieve but it, I feel like at least some people would know that to not be That's so what throws joyful. Me. Right? That's what throws me is like he's not even trying to be like he should at least be trying to be discreet. You know what I mean? Like you'd yeah, think like, you'd at least realize what how this looks. Or maybe that was part of his like tactic of like oh maybe if I act like I'm just so fucking in denial then like that in itself looks like I'm really struggling. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. And, and and it's sort of like really yeah, like he 
he, he everyone else in the, and i think it's also in relation to everyone else in the room which mm-hmm. makes it so jarring because like everyone else in the room is like you know france doing everything they to, can to find mm-hmm. your wife on the phone you, on maps like writing shit down on it just feels i mean uh, again I, like not, i'm not trying to be an asshole it, i'm not trying to be an asshole it does come across it's, for at first glance a little disrespectful yes. to all the people putting in the work to save your wife and you're not even like 100 aware of your surroundings and like whether yeah. or not like he was grieving in some way or whatever it's like it didn't look good to the media it didn't look good to anybody else <laughs> so, I, it doesn't look good to me it doesn't it, look good no. yeah at the very least it does not look good so even his bodyguard was like yeah that was a little weird like what do you say like cool what a nice yeah. rib you have like you know anyway it's just back weird... to trying to save your wife anyway like... like everyone else is here trying to put together like a search plan but whatever mm. so which is odd and um it just didn't look great while everyone else is really upset what was happening. He wasn't showing any negative emotions whatsoever. And so now I'll give you a little background on Lacey and Scott. So they had met while studying at California Polytechnic and Scott was working at a restaurant. Um, and one of his coworkers would sometimes be visited by a friend named Lacey Denise Rocha, um, who was another student and she was studying ornamental horticulture. (laughs) Ornamental horticulture. (laughs) What is that? So that's uh, like, do you know what horticulture is? Uh, is that, it's not, ornithology is birds. Horticulture yeah, is gardening? Yes, like plants. Yeah, okay. gardening. And so ornamental horticulture is like how to use Make them plants into for ornaments. landscape or decor or oh, <laughs> sorry, okay. ornaments. Okay. But like, you know, ornament, like design, basically. Okay, like got Landscape it. design, that kind of thing. Fun. Um, so as the Modesto B reported, when they first met at the restaurant in mid-94, Lacey made the first move, sending him her phone number. And immediately after meeting, um, Lacey told her mother she had met the man that she would marry someday. Oh, that makes it extra sad. I know. I know. So Peterson called Lacey. They began dating. They married in 1997. Uh, they opened a sports bar in San Luis Obispo called The Shack. And a few years later, they closed it and moved to Lacey's hometown in Modesto to start a family in 2000. And in 2002, she announced she was pregnant to her family with a boy, and they were going to name him Connor. Aww. I know. So now, if with all this perspective, when police couldn't find his wife and his unborn child, people are wondering, why is he so amused by this plate of ribs? And he's not worried yeah. about, he's not panicked, where's my unborn son who's eight, you know, eight Unless months Unless he in was the saying... Unless he was saying, like, check out this plate of ribs, and on the ribs was, like, his wife that had gone missing. <laughs> like, he really should not be that excited, right? Yeah, and, like, you know, you wonder. I feel like if something like this happened to me, I have no clue how I would react, but I imagine I would demand, like, some Valium or something. Like, I imagine I would yeah. want to, like, tamp Maybe. down my feelings. And honestly, once I was on Valium, if I had something to say about the ribs, that would make sense. That, like, right. So I do yeah. wonder sometimes, like, maybe there's some sort of, like, maybe you're Self-medication maybe happening. You're, or... Right. Like, who knows? And so I hesitate. To, but, again, like, I feel like at the very least you have an under... You wouldn't be happy, I imagine. Like you wouldn't be like gleeful. Is unless what you just imagine. unless you just had so much Ambien, like you're like not <laughs> you're even not a person a, anymore. You're on a different like, plane of existence. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I don't know. I don't know. Right, and I mean, again, I, I, this is all with a grain of salt because I just don't know. But um, it just wasn't a good look. So that becomes very clear. 
So December 26th, the day after Christmas, at 5 p.m., police show up at Scott's house with a search warrant. And from a police point of view, yeah, they're there to look for clues, but they're also there to gauge Scott's behavior and keep an eye on him mm. and see how okay. he reacts. Okay. So according to a Rolling Stone article, quote, once again, Scott was hesitant to cooperate with the police in ways that might prove his in- innocence, like taking a polygraph test. But he seemed more concerned with protecting himself. It was more strange behavior from a man who supposedly had nothing to to hide. And one detective told People in 2005 that during the search warrant, Scott's major concerns were not Lacey. His major concerns were making sure when a police officer opened his car door, it wasn't hitting his other car door in the driveway. Ooh, not a good look. Okay, so they talk about this in the documentary. And alongside that, apparently, while they're all meeting to discuss what to do and search for clues one of the officers puts a glass of water down and scott runs out of the room to go grab a coaster to like uh-huh. put under the glass and it's sort of like time and place buddy you know and read the room read, read the, the room, room. <laughs> like exactly. why are, why is everyone here today like yeah and the, maybe the whole point of them being there too was like to watch his behavior and so he's not putting on a good show here for himself like so there's like a, the TikTok trend of like, I, I don't know if it's not like one of the bigger trends, but it is a video that's been circulating of like, what's one thing you've learned from like watching true crime TV? And like, at the very least that the police show up, like be on your best fucking behavior, but yeah. like, like take a guess what they're here for, you know? Because they're like, even if they can't prove anything with like, oh, you put a coaster there. Sure. That doesn't prove you murdered anyone, but it's. Like, they're not, they're, they can turn on you. They can decide, we want to pin you for this. Yeah. And they can change their attitude about you. So, yeah, even real if, quick. like, yeah, real quick. And so, even if it's not necessarily proof of anything, like, you want them on your side <laughs> if you yeah, don't do like, it. This is your time. This is your, t- if you want an alliance, you're not going to get a better yeah. shot than right now. So. Yep, exactly. And so he's like, don't scratch my car. He's like, don't get water stains on my table. You know, like, clearly, he's not his priorities are kind of skewed um so it was this police search of the peterson household that tipped off the media to the seriousness of the investigation um according to rolling stone all of a sudden the handsome charming husband was a viable suspect Mm -hmm. so by december 27th the media had gone cuckoo bananas for the story um and news trucks swarmed outside the peterson house on the regular And with this ferocious media attention, people were able to watch Scott's behavior really closely. Um, A lot of the news anchors found that he didn't seem to be grieving, nor did he ever want to speak to them, uh, like speak on the news to get his wife home. And this was the opposite of what we were getting from Lacey's family. Like Lacey's dad, for example, collapsed at a press conference and like started sobbing and begging for his daughter. I mean, it was really God, dark. that's so horrible. It was well, I really mean, I'm heavy. stating the obvious here, but like Jesus, like it's really heavy and awful. And you see like her parents are having like meltdowns and going on every and, and it does make it quite a contrast because her parents are going on. Every I was going to say channel. It's like a comp- like a stark difference. Stark contrast. And they're going on every channel and they're saying like anything anybody can tell us like blah blah blah, you know, and they're like sobbing on camera. They don't they don't care about their pride or anything. They're just They're having... like damn, like crash into my car door a million times just let me have my kid 100, back. Like... 100%. 100%. And so when he refuses to talk to anybody or even like you know, m- leave his house or whatever people are like not getting a good vibe about it um and one person who had huge suspicions from day one about scott peterson was our pal nancy grace 
<gasps> I love Nancy Grace. <laughs> so if you are some, so if you are someone who doesn't necessarily know who she is, or maybe need a refresher on who she is, um, Rolling Stone gave a great descriptor. Uh, saying she's a former prosecutor making a name for herself as a bombastic legal analyst on cable news. Uh And I think that's probably the best (laughs) way to describe her. She's like a Southern, like she's a pistol. Pistol. Yeah. Firecracker. Nancy Grace was on in my house all the time growing up. I'll never be able to not hear that accent in my head. Just, Oh my God. Her (laughs) acts. She is like, she does not give a shit. She does not give a shit. Her Um, and judge Judy, I think could be really good friends. Yeah. Either friends or like, too mortal like, enemies or like geo and scooby who are yeah. like just too close too um, close so do you actually know because i didn't know this until this documentary like nancy grace's background and like why she does what she does i no, i don't i had no clue my mind was blown by this so i guess in okay. the docu docuseries she gave like a little blurb about like her background this is how in-depth this fucking thing was we're getting nancy grace's backstory in the documentary <laughs> I know. wait did we get martha stewart's in episode three I, what hang on we saw clips of her she was in the documentary i was oh like wow God. this is a very layered wow six series they, six no stone series. left unturned no, the meringue did we find out what to do with the meringue perhaps <laughs> but wait is there a recipe for meringue near anywhere in this you know great question i'll get to that actually i do have the answer for you oh um <laughs> interestingly enough so Nancy Grace, apparently, which I didn't know, it's really tragic. So she and her husband, when they were really young, or her her boyfriend, they planned to elope. And uh, one day she got a call at work, and her husband had been killed in a workplace shooting. <gasps> oh, my like, God. Or her fiancé, I guess. So she, he had been at work, and somebody had been let go. And the guy came back for revenge and, like, shot her husband. Holy shit. And so, obviously, that sent her down a really dark hole. And she decided to instead of pursue the path she was taking she decided to go to law school and become a prosecutor wow and that's how everything kind of built into what she does now which is like crime reporting on cable news i feel but like so, prosecutors like i feel like there's a, a probably a large amount of prosecutors that have a really like like there's a motivation behind why a they motivation went. that's a good point mm. yeah i bet and so i just had no idea so it, it does add kind of to her story of like why she's so bombastic and like in your face and, and like she, ready to just fucking call you out if you do something wrong yeah and she said like i was a victim secondhand of a crime and so like i take it very seriously when people are victimized and so you know she if she thinks someone's guilty she will tell you <laughs> and, she and so you know there have been times where i think you know she maybe took it too far or she was on the wrong side of things so you know she is very controversial but mm-hmm. um in this case she was like scott peterson did it from day one so wow. Uh, she features prominently in the six-part documentary. Um, she says from the get-go, she said something was off about Scott. She didn't know what, but she knew something wasn't right. Mm. Um, on December 30th of 2002, more shocking news came through. So this is where there's the first big break or potential break in the case. So Detective George Stow of the Modesto Police reports that on Christmas Eve morning, the same morning that Lacey vanished, Across the street from the Peterson household, there had been a burglary, a home invasion. That's convenient. Okay. And so he described that a witness by the name of Diane Jackson had seen a suspicious vehicle and suspicious people in front of the residence at 1140 a.m. on that Tuesday morning. And the reason they didn't know about it until December 30th is because a family who had been robbed was on vacation. So they came home on the 30th and found out their house had been broken into. And so they obviously told the police. So now there was like a whole new piece to this that on Christmas Eve, 
there had been a burglary across, literally across the street from her house um, that morning that she vanished. And you so. know what? That sounds a lot like, it's not identical, but it sounds a lot like the Chris Watts story because there were like people across the way who saw like a weird van parked in the, in their driveway yeah. or something. I remember there being like some additional testimony later of like, oh, but it didn't make sense how he would be like bringing garbage in at a certain time or bring the yeah, car to that yeah, side yeah, of the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's like a totally different angle, like a brand new angle that has like nothing to do with anything so far. Um, and so this had obviously just been only reported. And so now it adds a whole new element. Um, however, the theory was quickly dismissed because police reported that the Burglary, so this is where things get a little fishy for me, um, okay. which I hate to say, but police reported that instead of the burglary happening on Christmas Eve, when Lacey had gone missing, it had actually happened on the 26th of December. But there is an issue with this line of thinking because nobody can really prove when the burglary happened. And there were local reporters outside the outside Lacey's house on the 26th, like... Oh. all morning and they so were who could have broken in and the reporters that time. were like i was there at 5 a.m or three uh, like starting at 3 a.m there was nobody this is like a dead-end street like there's nobody i would have seen a burglary happening across the street you right know? so it's a little bit fishy and it's de still debated like because if the burglary did happen on the 24th that's a huge deal like if she yeah. was literally walking the dog and a burglary happened like that's a big deal um but they but dismissed I, it and said, oh, it happened the 26th. But all the reporters were like, we were here. We did not see it happen the 26th. But I so mean, like, so really what's knows. what's the argument supposed to be, though? Because I'm reading it as if there was a burglary. I guess you could say, like, oh, well, then maybe, like, a burglar is the one that did this to her. But I feel like it would have been Scott planting a burglary so people would think that. So there was a burglary. They arrested the suspects. Um, like, it was fully. It happened. They have the suspects. They went to prison. Um, and the first thing the suspects or the, not the suspect, the, the, the burglars said was like, we had nothing to do with that pregnant girl. So they were already oh, like, we okay. know about this story and we don't want to be pinned for it. Got Obviously it. they're going to say that either way. Um, sure. but they were very much, there was very much a burglary. It's just debated when it happened. Okay. Um, and some people actually, some witnesses say they saw her interacting with the burglars <gasps> so, yeah and somebody one of her sister-in-laws says like if somebody were burglarizing the house and she saw it she would have done she would have gone over there and like right. said something she was the type of person who would have gone over and said like what are you doing okay. and so there's some controversy there of like if there was a burglary it's not unlikely that she would have gotten involved or tried to step in okay if there and maybe that's why the dog was walking loose um, uh -huh. and another neighbor says, oh, I saw her talking to two men. And so maybe that was the, but again, if this happened on the 26th, then it's all moot. It doesn't matter. Got um, it. Okay. So got it's it. really kind of a, a big controversial point. That Do you have a way. side that you, that you follow more? Not really, because I have a really hard time grasping the facts of it. I feel like nobody has a real fact on it. Like the police just said it happened the 26th. Okay. And it's like, it. but why? Why? Like, why did it happen? How do we, who can prove that? Especially right, if right, the right, reporters right. are saying, no, we were here. There was nobody here. I don't know. 
I'm really flummoxed, I guess, by that aspect. No, no, gotcha. Okay, no problem. I don't know. I don't know. I did not mean to put you on the spot there. No, I mean it just ticks me off because I'm like, if if we knew, that would be a huge deal. It would be a huge breaking point. Yeah. So, who knows? Um, On December 31st of 2002, the town of Modesto held a public vigil in honor of Lacey and Connor. Mm. And now this is an important note here. Okay. Scott declined to speak at the vigil, but he was there. Okay. Um, he was in attendance. That's fine. And unfortunately for him, press photographers were also in attendance and captured him in two damning photographs that would haunt him through the rest of the case. Uh, one of them is with his niece. They're lighting a candle, but he's like smiling at something she said. And so he's like grinning and holding this candle. The other picture is of Scott standing around with a group of people laughing. And obviously... Yeah, this we don't want to be assholes after Amanda Knox. We're like, yeah, it's a skewed perspective because it's like, sure, if if you're like at a thing crying and someone says, "Remember that time Lacey did this?" and you smile about it, and someone yeah. captures you smiling at the vigil, it's like. But it does. It does. It does imply. I get. Like, I don't want to make any wild assumptions, but it does imply that, like the. Hey, check out these big ribs on my plate. Yes. Is a consistent personality no, trait right now. You're completely now. right. I think it's this combined with all the other shit that just like the media was like, here I he is again. I, if he didn't already if he wasn't already acting so weird, then I think the two pictures of him smiling would have not been would that not big of an made issue. Such a such a an impact. A splash. Yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, so these are the pictures that kind of obviously get splashed all over the fucking news. And they're like, look, he's laughing and he's smiling. Um, especially because meanwhile, Lacey's family all spoke at the vigil. He was the only one who did not Um, like begging for the return of their daughter and grandson. Um, and so at this point, the police are like, okay, we need the public's help to figure out where the hell Scott Peterson was leading up to Christmas to like verify his timeline. Right. So, according to ABC News, police start their search combing the waters near the Berkeley Marina where Scott allegedly went fishing that day because it was too cold to golf. Um, right. So, on January 5th, divers using sonar equipment searched the Berkeley Marina, and over the next couple of weeks, volunteers and family continue searching for Lacey. And then there is a massive, massive plot twist. That, in my opinion, is the nail in the coffin. Okay, what, a mermaid comes up and says, Scott did it. Like, what? Like, basically. Okay, so, not quite. Well, let's let's just put it this way. There was a press conference January 24th, and the the whole country was, like, prepared for this because, or was, like, on edge for this because nobody knew what the hell this was going to be about because a lot of the reporters at the time had sources that were releasing details to them regularly. But this press press conference came out of the blue. Not one reporter had any clue what was being announced or what the big deal was. And they were about to find out. So as the press conference began, a woman with blonde hair nervously walks up to the podium and introduces herself as Amber Fry. She tells the audience that for the last five weeks, she and Scott have been engaged in a romantic relationship. And she had no idea he was married. So Amber Fry. So this. So he's having an affair. Uh huh. He's having a uh huh. Not a good fucking look. And he's engaged now. He's engaged to someone else, as if he like he got rid of her so he could get married. Well, he's not engaged to her. Sorry, I meant like he's. They've been engaged in a romantic relationship, but like they're not. 
engaged, engaged. But still, he's with somebody and he's now... with a different woman. In theory, got rid of Lacey and so he could be with her. One of them's out of the picture, precisely. Couldn't just fucking break up with her, but okay. So Amber Fry is a massage therapist and single mother who was introduced by, to Scott by a friend in November. Okay, so the timeline is very important here. So Lacey vanishes December 24th. Amber Fry meets Scott November of 2002. So well before Lacey vanished. Does that make sense? Yes. So Lacey is seven months pregnant. Also so fucked. Lacey is seven months pregnant with her first child and he starts an affair with somebody. Jesus Christ. Like really fucked up. Like all the other stuff aside, really fucked up. So also like every time that he's been like smiling and happy and everything, like one... I would be, I feel like you and I are on the same page here. We're like, I wouldn't even be able to smile one because I'd be distraught. But like two, if I'm guilty, I would at least be really fucking guilty and paranoid and like not even able to smile. But two, like, so Amber was seeing him in the press this whole time. And like, maybe you're about to tell me. Yeah, you're about to find out exactly the timeline because that's, I mean, it was bound to happen, right? Like he's all over the fucking news. I'd be so, like, first of all, you're with somebody else. And second of all, like you're like yeah. acting happy and your behavior's weird. And like 100% that was like the order of events. Like she didn't even know he was married. And now Jesus all of a sudden Christ. it's like, wait, wait, you're, you're not only married, but like plus ba- all these other things. Baby along the way, uh, yep. potential murder suspect, yep. not yep. even yep. acting yep. afraid about it. Yep. Yep. Oof. Yep. 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 So they met in November, and when they first met, he told Amber that, like her, he was looking for the one. Oh, my Uh, God. Yikes. Amber had no idea she was being introduced to a married man. Um, And in early December, around the same time, so early December, a couple weeks in, they were photographed at one of her work Christmas parties. Um, And, like, they're, like, holding on to each other. Like, they're clearly in a relationship in this photograph. Mm -hmm. And, like, even during the trial, they put that photograph up next to a photo of what Lacey was doing at the exact same time and she was with her family and was like super pregnant and was sitting on the couch in like a little Christmas sweater. Oh my God. It's so fucked. Like he's with her at her work Christmas party telling her, telling Lacey like, oh, I'm busy at work or whatever. And meanwhile, Lacey's like seven months pregnant at home. It's just like, what are you doing, guy? Um, So around this time, Scott told Amber he had something to tell her. Now, this is important for the timeline. This is early December, okay? Early December. So he tells Amber, I have something to tell you. He tells Amber, I actually have been married, but my wife died, and this will be my first Christmas without her. <gasps> did, and he, did he say how recently she had died or how? And this is the like, first week of December. It's, oh, she's not even dead yet. She's vanishes December 24th. So he had plans. He tells her, my wife is gone, and this is my first Christmas season without her, and I'm really sad. And it's like, um, excuse me? So that, for sure, like, he had been thinking about her dead Being for gone. a while before How actually doing it. How fucking stupidly twisted is that? And like, also, like, does that oh mean that God. he was, was he, he already had the plan in motion? Or do you think he just, like, like came up with a reason? I don't know. If he found out, if she found out he was married and then he realized he had to follow through on it? Like, you know, I don't know. And later Amber asks, like, calls him out on it on a phone call. And she says, 
why would you tell me your wife was gone before she, she ever even gone. vanished? And he says, well, Amber, there are different ways for people to be gone out of your life or something. Like, he makes some stupid what? comment saying, like, well, she was gone in my, like, rela- like in a... Oh, for You know, he's sake. trying to insinuate, like, oh, she was just out of my life emotionally. But it's like, that's not what you said. You said that's she was not gone. Dead. This was your first Christmas without her. Like, uh-huh. it's so stupid. Like, fucking A. It gets worse, okay? So no, it he, doesn't. I know. So he says... <laughs> This is going to be my first Christmas without her. He didn't really go into more details, but obviously she was like, wow, that's terrible. His wife has passed and yada, yada. And he says, Amber, I promise I'll explain more to you when I get back from my Christmas travels in Europe. Probably with that wife that vanished, huh? Yeah. My wife. Uh-huh. Well, he says, I'll, I'll tell you more when I get back from Europe. Is he in Europe? No, he's not in fucking Europe. We know oh. he's not in Europe okay yeah that's true. right like this is december when she's okay so we'll get to that but amber hadn't really been following the news much but then on december 30th a friend was like hey girl um (laughs) (laughs) bestie girly pop girly pop are you busy uh happy new year i have something to show you so this friend shows her this newspaper clipping i hope it's the friend who introduced them by the way because that's super awkward like needs to be a full circle needs to be a full circle you gotta step up bud whoever you are (laughs) so this friend shows her and is like um is this your scott peterson and she reads the article like obviously is fucking Uh... horrified and is like yeah this sounds a lot like my scott peterson and is pretty quickly like fuck that's him so she immediately uh, calls the police and is like, hey, fun fact, I'm actually in a relationship with this guy. So, of course, they're like, ding, ding, ding. This is a huge break in the case. Uh-huh. And they're um, like, how would you like to do a press conference in five minutes flat? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, this poor woman got sucked right into the fucking headlines, of course. God. Um, and, you know, she could have just ignored all of it. And, but she did the right thing and stepped up and said, I have something to say. And before actually uh, this press conference, they said, okay, you talk to Scott a lot on the phone. We're going to run to Radio Shack, literally, and pull oh. some some equipment so we can record your phone calls. And she's like, all right, let's do it. And this poor woman is, like, petrified because now she's, like, talking to a potential murder suspect yeah. about his dead wife. And he doesn't know she's recording their calls. And he doesn't even know she knows who he is. And she has to lie. But, like, also, like, how would he think, like, why doesn't he think if he's, he's fucking... Li- like, if you're in the press asshole. and you're in the headlines and you're, like, a huge case right now, why wouldn't you think your girlfriend would eventually find out? You'd think so. You'd but think he'd just... at least be, like, so paranoid around her. Like You'd think. And he just, like, went with it. And she, for the time being, pretended she had no clue who he was, you know, in re- reality. So she calls – or so he calls her – so they set this, like, Radio Shack situation up. And within minutes, he calls her. And this poor woman has to, like – just try to bait him into saying something, but also God. act like totally normal, you know. Um, so she takes a call. The police are all right there gathered around her. She records over 29 hours of phone calls with <gasps> over like wow. a, a week or two weeks. So this wasn't just a one call thing. This it's was like, a we're going to get a lot of information out of 29 him. hours. Um, and so this whole time, wow. every time she calls, <laughs> he goes, She's like, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm I'm in Paris right now. Um, I'm in Rome right now. Oh, my God. On December 31st, Scott called Amber and told her he was ringing in the new year in Paris with his friends Pasquale and Francois. 
This guy just loves to make up a story, huh? Fucking a- Pasquale. And f- he goes, oh, Pasquale's here. Like, it's... And you can hear all these people in the background. Guess where he fucking was? Ruby Tuesdays. Lacey's candlelight vigil. <gasps> oh, no. It was New Year's Eve, the one where he didn't speak and her whole family spoke and he got captured, like, smiling and yeah. laughing and whatever. He's wow, well literally... done, well done, Christine. By the way, on the <laughs> storytelling here, that just—I mean, every time I hear that, my jaw drops. It's like <sighs> he was at her fucking vigil for his dead or potentially dead uh, wife and son, and he's literally calling her, and you can hear him go, "Oh, Pasquale is here!" Like, what are you doing? Do you think? Do you think the pictures that they got of him acting all happy? Are there any pictures of him on? He's the not phone? on the phone in those pictures, so you do wonder, like. If he just stepped away to the bathroom and called her and said, oh, I'm, at the, I, he imagine, said, I'm at the Eiffel Tower. The By the way, the fireworks are beautiful. He's literally at his uh, fucking yo, dead imagine, wife's vigil. Imagine being someone at that vigil next to him, though, and hearing him so happily on a phone go like, I'm at the Eiffel Tower. I'd be like, that man is suffering. Like, that man has I'd really like, yes, lost this, his marbles. This man needs some help. Right. I'd be and like, he's like, hit that poor thing. He lost his wife and he's lost his mind. Know. Like, yeah. every Yeah. Little did you know he's lying to his fucking mistress. Girlfriend. Saying he's like, at, with his friend Pasquale. I mean... It's so insane. It's Note insane. to self, if you go to a vigil and you hear someone from now on saying that they're in Europe, like maybe listen to the rest of the phone call just in maybe, case. Maybe, like... yeah, take it for what it's, Ugh. what it is and tell somebody. Yeah, so just so, and, and by the way, Amber knew this, which is also horrible because she's on the phone pretending like, wow, is it beautiful? And she like knows because she sees the news that he's at this fucking vigil well, I'm sure and the she, cops, too, were like, let's call him right now and see what he would do. Yes. Like, yes. That makes yes. sense. And so he's just, like, falling right into this fucking trap and saying he's in Europe with his friend Francois. What on earth? Um, and so it, it, it's just batshit crazy. So Scott had no idea the police were aware of his affair or that Amber was recording their calls. Um, poor Lacey's family had, or Scott's family had no clue about this affair at all. Um, so, in, and by the way, I want to add too that Lacey's family this whole time has been defending Scott and has been like, oh my he's God, a, like they, like they are in love. They love each other. He would never do anything to hurt her. Like when the media is like going after Scott the whole time, her family's like, no, that he would never. And so it's like extra heartbreaking because they're on his side this whole time. And meanwhile, he's in the background talking to his girlfriend. It, it's just really sad. Um, do we find out maybe, I mean, maybe this is too early to ask, but do we find out later if he did this purely so he could have a relationship with his current girlfriend? So that's one of the theories, but we actually don't know. Oh my God. That's we so frustrating. I know it's, it's, this is, I think the, what sent him, what, what put him in the camp of guilty for most people. But again, it's not like outright proof of anything. It's just a bad look God, so okay. again we don't have like full proof but he's not painting himself into a good light let's just put it that way mm. um so in mid-january of 2003 police learned that the national Enquirer had found a photograph of amber and scott together and intended to publish it and so the police were like now we want to tell Lacey's family about this before it gets leaked to the media and they have to find out yeah. through the news so <sighs> Apparently, according to the documentary, 
when she was shown the image of Scott and his girlfriend and told what was happening, Lacey's mom, Sharon, like basically dropped down, put her head in her hands and said for the first time after defending her son-in-law through everything, why did he have to kill her? That's just like what she blurted out. And this whole time she's been like, Scott would never do anything. He's our family. He's our son. I mean, hey, once you've got like proof that like he is at least a little bit not who you thought he was, like Mm -hmm. it's probably really easy for that, like the floodgates to open. and Completely. Because like at this point, you're trying every everything in your power to defend him despite everybody else pointing fingers and all you want to do is defend him and it's like how far can you go i mean at this point she's eight months pregnant and he has a relationship what else is he lying about you know yeah yeah so from that moment forward the rocha family which is um lacy's family completely turned on scott Uh. understandably so the family turns on Scott. Um, Scott's family finds out also about this affair and they're heartbroken because uh, they had no, I mean, and also like Scott and Lacey were really close. Their families were really close. And now both their families are finding out Scott has been cheating on her. Even in the best of times, this would be like a really, really horrible discovery. Like Um, if both people were alive, this would not be good. Especially with the baby on the way. Like it's really a betrayal on both sides of families. Um, so on that note, since I have so many pages left, I think I'm going to do a part two of this next week. Cause I don't want to like Fun. rush through like four more pages. Um, and we're already over two hours here. Um, oh my goodness. So I'm going to save this next part for a part two, Emothy. And if you are one of those people who fast forwarded all the way to the end to see if Christine's baby <laughs> made it, uh, surprise. No, I'm just kidding. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <sighs> well, uh, until then, I guess, uh, do, do we know? Do you even need an app anymore to tell you how big this baby is? Because I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> oh. the size of a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's too big. I can tell you that much. Um, let me see, because I think it was something fun this week. Um, uh, so we're several weeks ahead because of, because we're recording in advance. But when this comes out, it'll be the size of Bruiser from Legally Blonde. If you have a literal chihuahua. Isn't that funny? Um, And then uh, 80s and 90s nostalgia is a McDonald's Happy Meal from the 80s. (laughs) Fun. And now I combine the two and I'm like, was that chihuahua really as small as the size of a Happy Meal? (laughs) I know. I wonder. Well, the picture they have is like this one. Can you see the red picture? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember the box. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, plastic. um, I don't know why they ever got rid of those those bags by those the are way fun. like that you wanted a happy meal just for that probably because they were it was cheaper to just give shitty oily paper I out i know i know oh back in my day um <laughs> so that's that yeah and sorry i didn't know this is going to be a two-parter but i feel like this is just there's still so much um to discuss very excited to hear about it though. so many more pages that i don't want to have to rush through so that's that on that. No worries. Horrible well, story. I uh, hope you and the little babe are well. Uh, oh, hope thank you, Em. Hope your contractions you. don't get any worse. Me too. <laughs> uh, one day they will, but then they won't <laughs> happen day? ever again. So. Ow. Yeah, one day they will, and I will call you to be like, fuck what I said the other day. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be in a total. I bet you everyone who's listening who has had a baby is like, 
you, girl, you have no idea what you're getting like, yourself you're into. You're literally talking through this. You're yeah, fine. exactly. <laughs> like, you're fine right now. So I have a feeling that's exactly how it's going to go. Um, I don't have any doubts that I'm going to be suffering. So you'll hear about it. <laughs> you'll hear very I'm loudly sh- about I'm it. I'm sure we will have to have a whole special episode dedicated to you telling us why you drink because you can drink <laughs> because once I the baby is here. Drink. Oh, my God. We should have a Patreon special that's just like first happy hour back (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh we'll see y'all next week and that's why we drink want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com meet treadwell your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle get your best match in one minute or less with treadwell by discount tire